right? Am I? Uh, did I understand it right? No, you, no, dude, you got it. There just, were easier places to hunt that had deer in them, but over that right. couple of days, I kind of figured out that right. these are going to probably be 150 bucks unless I just get super lucky. I need to get somewhere that's a little bit more secure. Right, and if it's a little bit more secure this year, it probably was last year, the year before, year before. Now you're hunting an older age class deer in this area that because generally – I find generally they they don't just randomly migrate. They have a pattern in their migration. Mm-hmm. This deer will will come and shed within two or three miles, depending on weather. It- The Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Hey, Rock Sliders. Welcome to the Rockcast. I've been fortunate to have been invited on nearly 60 podcasts over the years, but there is one episode with one particular host that stands out. I get more requests to do a part two of that episode than any other I've ever done. And today I have him on the Rockcast. If the number of 200-inch bucks taken is the measure of success, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who's taken more. Rifle, muzzleloader, or bow, he's done it all, and in just about every Western state. And he's one of the nicest and hardest-working guys in the industry. While all us buck hunters want to be him, when you've scouted up a good buck, he's the last guy on the planet you want to see in the unit. Welcome to Jason Carter. (laughs) Jeez. I don't, I don't know if I, I'm going to have to cut that out on our podcast. Nope, I already recorded, buddy. Got it on my end right here. I, I got the equipment too. Jeez, jeez. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Robbie. No, it's uh, uh, you know, quite a privilege to be visiting with you today about big deer. And, of course, I know you don't hunt elk, so I know I don't even have to think about elk stories. And so that's good. Dude, uh, you, you're a little behind on the podcast. I actually shot my first elk in 25 years last year, but what, it was a cow. What podcast did I miss? I, I listened oh, to all dude, of them. We, 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 we put it on the broadcast here a few weeks ago. I think it was called Elk versus Mule Deer. And, oh, and, 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 I saw dude, I, I saw I saw the headlines and I just skipped by it because it was you said something, it was something about elk and I was like I already know the answer. Elk versus Mule Deer. I know I already know what he's gonna say, and so I didn't listen. I'll have to go listen. <laughs> well, I've come to the point that I'm seeing so many elk everywhere yeah everywhere i hunt i know some places they're down but for the most part i mean they're over objective in like 60 70 percent of our units up here that i'm gonna start whacking a few cows and uh you know like i always eat my bucks i love them i love i love venison but you know when the freezer's getting down you know i lower my standards and i'm thinking you know what i should shoot some of these cow elk so that's what i did last <laughs> year and I'm, I'm happy i did it dropped a bomb on a mom well that's good it's fine you, they actually eat better so you're you're, eh, you're dude, good. we could do a whole podcast on that too man i'm not going <laughs> to agree with you on that i think bucks are better all right well that's fine that's fine. I actually I killed a moose up there in the in the northern panhandle up there in your state, and uh, that's probably the best eating thing I've ever had. So I yeah I wouldn't argue with that. They are really good. I remember when you got that moose, God, like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it was getting in the way of a deer hunt. Actually, that uh, Arizona deer, and and I and I drew it was a two week season. Remember when they started those November two weekers, and I was yep. like, oh, this is a way I could maybe snag a moose tag real quick, and then. 
you get all excited, right? And then you apply, and then you're like, dude, be careful what you wish for, because what if you draw it? Sure enough, I draw it. And, and in November, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be hunting rut and mule deer, which mm-hmm. is your favorite. And um, mm-hmm. I'm up there hunting moose out of the rut. <laughs> you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah. But anyway, it, it turned out good. It was fine. It was good. Well, hey, dude, you bring up a good point. We were talking about you know, Travis Hobbs, you know, natural-born hunter. Dude, I think we're losing him. What do you mean? Uh, Dude, he's been applying for antelope tags all over the place. <laughs> like, dude, he's totally going down the rabbit hole, sending the antelope pictures and stats. And, dude, I go to his house, his, his, the Epic Magazine, dude, he's on the antelope page. Yeah. And, and, dude, this is why I know it's getting bad because the other day I heard him correct himself. And, and dude, he's, he said, oh, sorry, I said antelope. I meant to say pronghorn. There you go. It's like, yeah. oh, dude, he's gone. He's got some respect for him now somehow. I don't know. Well... <laughs> Uh, truck chasers are kind of fun to hunt and and they're uh you know everybody's got to kill a few of them and whatnot and i think as you as you grow older i I mean they're pretty darn fun to hunt they they are and so i don't blame him these guys like to tease me that i'm this antelope connoisseur when you know bronson's the one that's killed all the big ones and and devon and wyatt have both killed basically booners and, uh, you know, so these guys, they have a bit of affection for them, but a lot of it is just cause there's lots of game. It's, it's an easy fun hunt for your, with you, your family, kids, whatever. And, uh, as you know, these big deer, we've been in a long old, let's call it a drought. It's not, I'm not talking about weather. Yeah. I'm just talking about big deer in general have been hard to come by for the last, you know, 10 years plus. And, uh, and so then you see, you know, your eyes start to wander a little bit. You start needing to you know, knock down a few other critters. And so anyway, they fill the void here and there. And, and, and the more you get to, you know, learn about them and, and hunt them and whatnot, a little more, you, you, they do, they do gain your respect a bit. And some of these guys that are good at killing big ones, I mean, man, my hat's off to them. They're hard to judge. So. Oh yeah, they're cool, dude. And I think they eat good too, but you know, you were talking about your moose and being, you know, kind of distracted up on a moose hunt in November that now Travis in September, which is a great time to hunt muleys, dude, he's going to be off chasing antelope. And you know, I was going to text you his number and have you have a little talk with him, oh. but I'm afraid you're going to pull him over to the antelope oh, side. Oh, <laughs> him and I text here and there. So I've got it and I'll have to give him some grief, but he has not mentioned anything about that, but he, uh, I'm co- I'm good with it. Hey, if if we can get him off getting excited about uh, antelope, why maybe there's another big deer or two that'll live. You know what I mean? You know, you got a point there. I didn't really think about it that way. You know, the guy smacks two bucks over two twenty in one year. He's probably getting a little bored with big deer, and he should give him a break. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want him to get too cocky. We'll just let him, you know, hunt and judge antelope for a minute, and you and I'll go out and you know knock down a monster this year, which I'm have pretty pretty excited about this year, really. So. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In fact, talking about this year, there was something I, I wanted to get out to everybody on the rock slide, and I'm sure a lot of people already know about it because I know a lot of them listen to your podcast, but your whole Muley Matters thing you got going over at Epic. Yeah, we're super excited about it, and, and it's not something to, you know, to convince guys not to go hunting. It's nothing to do with that. It's just when everything's against deer, it feels like everything wants to kill them. Okay, you and I want to kill them. Uh, coyotes want to kill them. Lions want to kill them. Bears want to kill them. Uh, you know, they uh, they're they're somewhat weak, so to speak. They don't do well coexisting with humans, like maybe a white tail does. Um, they're sensitive to drought. They're sensitive to winter kill. 
I mean, it just feels like, you know, everything's against them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and then you got the game and fish departments who've largely uh, generated a, a good portion of their revenue off of selling deer tags, um, somewhat apathetic to, to decrease tags where needed and whatnot. And so you just it just feels like everything's against them. When everything's against them and you have an extreme winter like you guys have and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, southern Wyoming and northern Colorado and places like that, um, it just kind of made sense because we're we're on the on the on the end of a an extreme drought period here, and then when you guys get hammered too, it was like, man. And then I I think part of it was, and I don't want to say fighting with the game and fish, but just having a difference of opinion uh, with the game and fish on tag numbers and quotas. Um, you know, it just said, well, what else, what can we do? Like, like, what can we do? Well, we could, mm-hmm. you know, the tags that are issued, you, you could. If, if you if you really cared about quality and and having a uh, an a, a mature buck on the landscape uh, an average uh, buck being a, a, a fairly mature buck I mean that, that's defined differently by all of us right but but we could eat tags instead of just knocking one down to make sure we filled a tag and 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 you know notched our man card and went home and I and I and I think you wouldn't be, you'd be shocked at, at how that resonates with people. It's just, and you know, as we go to Colorado, um, you don't want to come home without one. I, I don't want to come home without one. Or if I go to Idaho or if I go to Wyoming or even my home state and I draw some special tag, even these general tags considered pretty special anymore with, you know, taking, you know, four to six points or whatever it is to draw them. And, and you start saying, well, you know, I don't want to eat that tag. And, and I don't blame you. I don't, I don't want to eat them either. But... And they don't taste good, by the way. But you end up, uh, you know, it's kind of better if it's if you if you if you're gonna knock them down and go, geez, why did I do that? This just gives you an extra incentive to think twice. That's all it is. Just think twice. If you don't want to knock one down, there's honor in it, and and send it in. And you know, there's there's gonna be there is already a grundle of prizes. We've had them. Of course, anybody that's following the Muleys Matters. Um, Instagram page why we're we're posting up some of the different prizes that are actually not just spoken that they're going to be available that are actually arriving here at the office and and again Robbie like it says nothing to do with profit revenue epic outdoors although oh, we, sure. we right. started it, it, it it's going to cost us but it's already going to cost us Adam and I and John are each putting $500 cash in it's costing us uh, uh, optics we, we threw in a fierce firearm because we're a dealer, we did it, not necessarily fierce, although John's a good dude, and I'm sure we'd throw one in here at the end, so we have a couple of them, Hoyt, same thing, we, it's our bow that we threw in, and so, anyway, just something we can do, it's it's fun, I, I, we like giving stuff away, and um, and it just, it just I don't know, it drives home a, a little bit of a thought process of, of hey, maybe, maybe just think twice, that, that's all you know yeah yeah and and you know i listen to you guys' uh, podcast frequently and when i heard first heard you talking about of course you know i'm getting other guys saying hey man are you going to shoot a deer this year you know this isn't a good year to shoot a deer i'm like man i've eaten like eight or nine deer tags since 2000 believe me i i eat plenty of tags i'm not going to go eat one on purpose right um and then i heard you guys talking about that i kind of thought it was along the same theme until i really listened to you And, and then when when you sold me on it was when you were saying look we're if you want to get the meat, that's what hunting's all about. You know, we're not telling you not to do that. But right. what you just said a second ago, if, if you're if you're just going to knock one down and then if you're honest with yourself, regret it. Like, oh, I should have held out or I shouldn't have shot him. 
Well, this is the year to not do that. And so for the people that are not sure what this whole newly matters thing is, and tell me if I explain it wrong, but it, at the end of the year, if, if you send your unpunched tag in and uh, and make sure you cut the unit out of it or black it out, because that's actually what Jason's trying to do, dude. He's scanning all those into his files. <laughs> I could, you know, and, but Robbie, I could, and uh, okay. All right, so this is a whole other subject, but keep going. F- finish it out. Anyways, you send your tag in, and then Epic is going to do a drawing. And, and, like, I didn't listen to your podcast for a few weeks, and at first it sounded like it was just a few knickknacks here and there. And then the next time I listened to it, and it's optics and bows, and, yeah. man, I'm waiting for a Ford truck or something. Well, maybe maybe Logan's podcast, there's cash prizes. Well, well, and, and you got to be careful with that because, you know, but, but we're for old school. Like, whatever. You know, Robbie, if you were mm-hmm. to pull five bills out of your pocket and give it to somebody, is that so wrong? And so, you know, right. you got to be careful with cash prizes, but yeah, it's there. And, and uh, I've even got, um, since, since, I mean, even stuff that's not posted yet, uh, individuals, really good dudes in the industry that are, that are like, hey, I want to throw in a Stone Glacier backpack uh, mm-hmm. and sending right. a gift card in. Because you yep. want a custom belt or you want to custom, customize that pack. So he's throwing a gift card in. I mean, just stuff like that, like... Yeah, it's just cool. Everybody wants to throw a little something at it. I mean, it's a feel-good moment. It's some. It, we can't do a lot. Game agencies can do way more than we can, right? I mean, we right. can. We can. You and I can kill coyotes, uh, kill lions, whatever, and then, and then just uh, have some respect for the resource. I guess is is all, and and understand that it. it you know, it is a resource that um, I always called it a. I always call it a renewable resource, right? I mean, they make more deer every day, right? And, and uh, you know, the last 10, 15 years, uh, I mean, it is renewable, but there might be a, a little caveat to it. And, and um, because it's not feeling so renewable when, you've, when you go through major long uh, sp- drought spells and, and dealing with winter kill like you. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, they are. It is a renewable resource. And, and the and the and deer in, in most of these areas will come back, but it's it's a little bit of a slow process. If that makes sense. Yeah, and that's why I thought it was kind of a an, and even if it's just a novel idea, even if it's just a fun thing to do, get people thinking about it. Um, you know, I brought up the whole cow elk thing. I did a whole podcast on it a couple of weeks ago. That man, if you really need the meat, there's a there is a lot of elk over objective in a lot of states. Just to, just name a state. There's probably places. The, the cow tags are over objective. Excuse me. The, the cow elk are over objective. The tags aren't that hard to get. You know, non-residents are having a hard time getting tags right now. Yet some of these antlerless hunts are they're just giving them away. And so, no, I think I think it's great. Even if we don't make a big difference, if it get if it gets a few guys thinking about, hey, do I really need to shoot a two point on a year? There's hardly any two points or a three point or whatever. And they're and let's just face it. I mean, I, I hunt for the meat in the sense of I eat everything I shoot, everything. I don't give it away, share a little bit with friends, but, you know, we consume it. But I can't really say I'm I'm hunting for the meat. And so if if there's a year to, to, to let a few bucks walk it's it's this year it really is so so anyways we're gonna help you out dude and 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 you know I, I, ryan avery's on his bear hunt right now and and he doesn't know this because but we're gonna send you a check too we want to get in on this i just gotta wait till he gets home make sure it's okay that he skips a truck payment this month because his money's going down to epic so well we appreciate it that's awesome yeah and we'll definitely we'll we'll put push the rock slide rock cast however it is you you'd like to i mean there's got to be we want it to be good for everybody right and it and it doesn't it doesn't hurt us to 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 shout out a few great companies out there that are supporting the cause and uh, 
easy to do, easy to work with good people. So we appreciate it. You bet. So everybody go over to Instagram, look for the Muley Matters and uh, follow them, follow the Epic Outdoors. It's fun. Um, if you shoot a buck, don't feel guilty. It's okay. That's not what this is about. But hey, if at the end of the year you got a tag or two that aren't punched, send it in. You might draw some great prizes, and this this would be a good year to skip skip a buck if uh, if you could. Yeah. Um, you know, I was also I was talking to my wife the other night after I listened to that podcast. I'm like, you know, at the end of the school year, you know, the, we're not buying the kids lunches anymore. We just usually give them that money for allowances. But I said, you know, I think this year – take a hit for the team we're gonna send that money down to epic outdoors too for muley matters i haven't told the kids yet dude but but you know it's it you know we're gonna get behind you on this well we appreciate it <laughs> well and maybe you think of some piece of gear that you love or whatever and and we do a gift certificate or even you know buy a piece of gear like that if it doesn't have to be customized and send it down i mean that that probably goes a little it's ah, it's just a little more personal from robbie right and you bet. there you and go then say a cash price so yeah think on that and if there's some incredible piece of gear that's helped you kill a few big deer over the years that's uh that's within reason uh you know we'd love to love to sh- showcase that and, and give it away all right man that sounds good you guys keep plugging away on that and um, when's the drawing so we're gonna actually uh you know the deadline's gonna be basically the end of november december one we're gonna you know gather up all the tags and go from there and, and you're going to see a raffle bin of all colors all types of paper i mean all the different states we've got the states on the website actually logan logan's sitting here with me logan is your mic on yeah right on tell them uh where how they can find us on the website so if you go to our regular website epicoutdoors.com we have a little slider right there with a couple of our opportunities for the summer hunt giveaway and also the Muley's Matter website, or you can go to epicoutdoors.com backslash mm-home. And if you're interested in what tags are eligible, if you're going to be able to put in for it this year, um, go to the How to Enter page. We've got a list of the different categories we're going to be drawing for and the tags and tag types that are eligible for those drawings. And we also have a page with all of our sponsors and the prizes that they've donated. And it gets updated every day. More and more people add So there was a, as we got started, we were really just concentrating in specific hard hit areas. And then we had people reaching out all the time saying, hey, what about over here in northern Nevada? We've had a tough winter. And what about over here? And what about, you know, New Mexico's had a mm-hmm. long, long-term drought. And, and so we were like, okay, we do need to encompass more. So we, we had a little brainstorming session based off of comments and feedback. By the way, we look at all the feedback and comments on Instagram, whether it be direct message or, or out there on the posts. And so, and so anyway, uh, took that all into consideration and kind of customized it and come up with a formal plan. And we're going to, Robbie, we're going to do it every year. Like we're not going to just stop it this year. So, oh really? Yeah, All it's right, going to be a yearly thing. We're going to do it yearly, and and uh, December one at the end of the year, and and you know it's because there's going to mule deer are going to struggle from from till the day we die, Robbie, in mm-hmm. certain areas, right? And so yep. it's just what else can we do when we're uh, let's go back to the fighting with game and fish. I don't really want to call it a fight, just a difference of opinion. And and they've got 14 other uh, things that they're looking at. One of them's including a budget, things like that that you and I don't have to think about too much. But with that, um, what can we do if if they're not going to reduce tags the way we think they need to? I mean, they've got some reductions up in northern Utah with a 80% loss in some areas, and you're just like, uh, I guess those numbers just don't jive. Uh, how do mm-hmm. we how do we encourage guys not to just harvest to harvest and 
man, I mean, there's nobody likes to fill a tag more than I do. And, and uh, so I get it. And I'm all about, just like you said, I'm all about everybody out in the field and, and doing it um, and, and harvesting whatever they is that they, that they can or they want or that they've earned or, or whatever it is. I mean, we all hunt for different mm-hmm. reasons. And I'm like you, I eat it. But l- like you said, if I didn't punch this tag, would I really go hungry? Like, would I not have protein to eat? And mm-hmm. and your point is, is no, but I do eat everything I harvest. And so, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. And if there's, if there's a year to to not get a meat buck if that's really what you're looking for this is the year and again people no shame if you do jason said that multiple times you know if that's what you're out there for that's all fine this is just a fun way to kind of tip our hats to mule deer and they're having a tough time right now with this bad winter that just just came on and you know long-term drought some of the things that jason mentioned and it's fun uh so jason you guys are just going to put all those tags in like a big lotto roller thing and just reach in and grab a tag that's how you're going to do we, it we are but in the interest of time what we're going to do is people are going to go on and register and register for the prize they would want in the order they would want it and so okay. because let's just say we pull out let's just say we have 50 prizes which is most likely going to happen if not more um we're going to pull a name and if if his first choice is taken we go to his second if his second is taken we go to his third we go on down we issue the prize then we're i gonna, see what you're saying yeah. gotcha. you know what i mean gotcha. because if we called didn't get him, left him a voicemail. How long till we can draw the second one, right? So it's yeah, just. I get it, yeah. So we the, deal with that on Rockside, too. Yeah, so we're just. So anyway, that's why we built a website. We're, I told the guys, and, and we all agree, like, we also have to work here at Epic. There's a lot going on. Uh, yeah. But having said that, how is it that we can um, do this in a timely fashion and, and you can go on and basically choose your prizes and and then if we can get a hold of guys and and uh visit with them on on air why that's that's awesome right and that's fine hey, no but, yeah so. man you guys are putting in a lot of work for this because like when we've done prize drawings on rock slide we've had this conversation before that a lot of times if we have 10 prizes we just start drawing in order first person gets the first prize second person gets the third you know something like that but we we fully know that some guys are like oh man i already have you know 15 packs of broadheads here i didn't need more i really would have liked that flashlight or whatever and uh so it sounds like you guys are making that adjustment there where guys can get the more likely get the prize that they want when they're yeah drawn. some guys are going to want a starlink and that's that's going to be available and and other mm-hmm. guys don't would be like i don't really have a use for that i'd you know rather right. have s- such and such so anyway kind of fun nice. yeah kind of fun. yeah cool man cool 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 so let's see what else um uh winter wrap up uh usually i talk to you in the spring i kind of got behind this year we haven't talked um winter i know you know everything that's been going on but tough up here yeah. but you know, I've been out on the winter range. Um, I did, did some shed hunting. Um, I took a flight uh, about mid-May over just one of the migration corridors that are right here. And there are quite a few dead deer, but there's a lot of live deer, too. Yeah. Um, even in some of these hard-hit areas, you know, it's not it, – it, it felt good to see deer. And, of course, you know, they're not bucks yet. You don't know what's down there. Although, although a couple weeks ago, dude, I saw three fawns, you know, last year's fawns, running around healthy as horses just there a couple weeks ago here in one of the worst units too you know now maybe they're the only three fawns that made it through i don't know because this unit they're saying had like 80 90 fawn kill but uh but anyways it, i i think we're in the kind of um ignorance is bliss phase right now you know we're not really out there looking that much because the bucks are still growing we'll know more in, in a few weeks and 
you know, I think it's going to be spotty. I think some places people are, are just not even going to notice it because I've seen that before on hard winters. And then other places, I think guys are going to be in the dumps. They're going to be like, man, there are no bucks here. Um, I, that's that's my guess of what we're going to see up yeah. here. Well, I've heard the same thing, so I've got, you know, along with you, uh, several other really good friends that hit it hard. And, um, you know, right in the dead of winter, right in, of course, February, March, whatnot, that um, know what they're doing. They live up there, uh, and, and they would take road trips, and, of course, they're out looking on the winter range. And there would be, in the same day, road trip, whatever, um, they would say, you know, this area was missed, and, and things looked fine, mm-hmm. and over in such and such, and this would be really specifically to southeast Idaho and then, you know, parts uh, up through Afton and some of that. But mm-hmm. anyway, parts of it were like, wow, this was, this is uh, Moonscape. Uh, there's no way they could survive. And so, right. you know, right. I think it's it was very spotty from what I've heard. And then the shed hunters, um, you know, for large part, um, you know, they, they know what's going on. These guys are serious. They, they know deer. Um, and the general feeling was a lot of young died and and mm-hmm. uh, a good the the good age class the 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 age class we all like to see um for hunting purposes uh this year current hunting purposes were was uh you know somewhat hopeful that it'll be a decent year and yeah. and that they're not finding you know large copious amounts of of uh older deer dead and so you know I'm, it was kind of uh I don't know. I guess it, it kind of sparked a little bit of hope. You, when you hear death, nobody wants to hear about that, right? right. And you think it right. was just everything, and and uh, it wasn't necessarily everything, and it was spotty. And so I'm like, I, I guess I feel very similar to you, but I don't live there. Um, but but I have guys just like you. When you tell me something, Robbie, I pretty well take it to the bank. I know you know what you're looking at, and uh, and it sounds like you feel the same way. Yeah, I think some of this stuff in the heart of southeast Idaho, you know, 76, 78, mm-hmm. 72, I, th- I think it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you I know a lot of non-residents are like, well, crap, I've already got my tag there. I'm not saying don't go. Right. Just kind of set your expectations. But, right. you know, it's that's probably the hardest hit areas. But like it always is when these hard winters come in, and you just mentioned it, it's, it's usually your prime age bucks, you know, your two, three, four-year-old bucks that make it through. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, well, they may not be giants this year, but, you know, they're going to have – and this other thing, too, the spring moisture is just continuing. Yeah. You know, we've had two inches of rain here in Idaho Falls, which is a desert, um, in May, and it looks like for the next 10 days we got it coming. And so the ones that are out there should be in pretty good shape. But I just had Toby uh, Boudreaux on the podcast, the uh, elk and deer coordinator for the state idaho uh, we haven't released it yet but uh and he said some of that western idaho stuff which i observed too i took my daughter to a soccer tournament over there in april and, and dude, they did pretty good over there i think you're going to kind of see the further west you move in idaho you know maybe maybe north of the Hawaii's they kind of got some of some of that hard stuff too they were far far yeah. enough south but yeah. you know getting it over into western and central idaho some of those places did pretty good and i've, I've even talked to a few guys that were over there with like it was a hard winter, man. No, not here. It was pretty good. Yeah. You know, we had bare slopes and at least the lower slopes and everything. And so, so, uh, if a guy was coming up here to hunt this year, I would just tell him just, you know, if you're seeing nothing move, yeah. just move, it might be a year to move around a lot, you know? And yeah. a lot of times, you know, I kind of preach against that, you know, just hunker down. If you know, one's there hunt right there, but there's going to be some places there's not going to be any right there. I think. And, yeah. You gotta, but, you gotta hunt where they are. 
you know. And so, and but if you know one's there, obviously what you're talking about is to hunker in and just and stay on him totally makes sense. But if you're not, if you're not, if you're not seeing sign and tracks and and all, you know everything else that just tells you you need to be here, a lot of it is just the gut feel and, and feed and then uh, as well as tracks and whatnot. But you know, if you, and and uh, don't be afraid to. You know, be aggressive and and uh, think outside the box and get after it. So, I I love Idaho. I'm telling you, they, like we had a guy, you know. Anyway, we we consult with a lot of guys, and we did have a guy call in and you know, kind of question the potential in Idaho and and uh, genetics and this and that. And I mean, honestly, I put Idaho genetics against any genetics, whether it be Colorado or Arizona Strip or Henry's or Ponsagon or whatever. Idaho, and you know this from the old-time books and Ryan Hatfield and all that, I mean, unbelievable genetics, the best of the number best. Number two state. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Should be number two, man. I think if, if everything was OTC for 10 years going forward, I think you'd see Idaho right up there again with the best of them. Yeah. And, um, you, know, you know, right now a lot of states in places, like you mentioned, the Strip, they're getting managed for that. You know, of course they're going to grow giants. Well, those but are once Idaho, in a lifetime. when they just – yeah, take those... care of it we throw we still grow 240 deer around oh, yeah. here and, oh, yeah. i mean it, it just blows my mind i'm with you we got just some incredible genetics around here and and you know we may not get to see them here for a year or two or maybe we will you know how it is sometimes after a hard winter someone just shocks the heck out of you of what they find and, and that's the thing too jason like dude it is so green right now yeah. and unless we just get really dry and really hot you know, I think the deer that are out there are going to do really good this fall. Yeah, yeah. I worry a little bit about body condition, uh, a little bit. Like you know, uh, but having said that, I mean, if you're coming off a hard winter, you couldn't have better conditions to go into the antler growing period. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yep. yeah, it's uh, it, it, we're, uh, we're Robbie, we're going to find big deer. You're going to find a big deer this year. I'm I'm convinced of it, and I, and. Uh, I think you got to just stay positive and and uh, just know that look at the positive sides and there are a lot of positive sides. This you know this drought, these drought conditions have been pretty brutal here in, mm-hmm. in yeah. south of you and uh, mm-hmm. down here in our country and and uh, so you can't. It, we could go. We could turn off with no more moisture and 100 degree temperatures. And I swear we're gonna we're gonna have a record-setting year in many areas here in southern in the southern part of the U.S. It's, I contend yeah. it's, it's like we've never seen. We had uh, incredible fall moisture. The, the deer's body conditions all fall through into the winter. And then now coming out of the winter, we still have not even hit an 80-degree day, okay? And we're mm-hmm. sitting here in, amazing. in June. It's amazing. June. We get out, we, we wake up in the morning, and, and you can feel the moisture in the air. That does not happen in southern Utah this time of year. And, mm-hmm. um, and so... The optimism's pretty thick uh, down here, and then for for up north, like we talked about, having a good age class, it's probably a large part what you were seeing alive. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. I think the overall enjoyment of those hunts, people like to see deer. I don't care who you are, we like to see deer. Um, but I think the, the the net result is you're probably going to see the same number of of big deer that you would have otherwise in some a lot of hunts. I hunted H a couple of years ago. I didn't see a big deer. Mm-hmm. I didn't see mm-hmm. a single big deer. But it was, mm-hmm. and you could argue that well, two years ago was way better than this year, and mm-hmm. and uh, and that's probably true. And I think there's a decent chance I'd find one this year. But part part of it is building upon the knowledge I gained then, and and not hitting it somewhat blind. Um, but but having said that, 
I, I do feel like there's going to be some great deer taken. And, and, and again, um, it's hard for people to look past having tough days and seeing half. You're going to basically see half of the deer, most likely, mm-hmm. in these mm-hmm. hard-hit areas. You're going to see half of what you normally would, and, and that's disappointing. I like to see forkies, don't you, Rob? You know, uh, I yeah, mean, well, I, it, ju- it just makes you feel like there's deer around. I mean, you're pulling out of camp three o'clock in the afternoon, hey, I'm going to head up the glass. But, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. there's three, three small bucks right there. It just, right. it just charges you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you're not seeing that, it's, it, you know, perception's reality. You feel like they're not there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the, what the data says, and this is why I think the newly matter thing is, is cool, is because on these hard winters, we lose all the last year's fawns. So mm-hmm. the fawns that were born in 2022, or taking a hit, they would be two points come October. And that's in most units outside of your trophy units where you've got your best hunters that are, you know, only focusing on the best bucks, you know, but the majority of the West people are just looking for a deer and those are the deer they see because, you know, they're, they're not educated yet. They're staying in the more open areas. Mm -hmm. So those are gone you know, for the most part. And so, yeah, that's why, you know, if we save a few of those, great, we got something coming up, Mm. you know, I'm not a big point restriction guy, but on years like this, you know, that's, that's where it works. Yeah. And, and, but, 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 you know, just what I'm, what I'm trying to tell people that are asking me about it is just, just don't expect the gravy. Just, you're not going to see all these deer in these meadows and stuff like that, but, but don't sweat that. Because what you're looking for, there's not as many of them. Yeah, we lose our grandpas. Yeah, we lose some prime age bucks, no doubt. Mm. But if but in in 2017, so after the hard winter of 16, 17, dude, I was still chasing a 190 buck around here. 100. Um, and uh, dude, he was great. Dude, there was two or three others in there, 25, 27 inch, you know, 160, 170 bucks. Mm. But dude, nothing below that. Like, right. you know, how these big, these big herds of bucks get, you know, mm-hmm. you're, they're 12, 13 bucks. Well, you know, six of them are two points. Well, yeah. none of that, dude. They yeah. were all, they were all nice bucks, Yeah. but then over the next couple of years, you know, they get hunted and, you know, lions and stuff like that. That area just slowly dwindled. Mm-hmm. It was actually better the year after the hard winter. So 17, 17 was its best year. And it's just gone downhill since then. Um, and, and some of that was, is, you know, low fawn recruitment, you know, all the things you're talking about with, with, with problems with, with, um, with, Predators. with drought, you know, drought, all those things like that. Everything. And so, so anyways, I'm like said, it, it, ignorance is bliss, you know, it's, but that's at least what I'm telling myself that, you know, the bucks that I want to hunt, there's probably still more than a few of them around this year. And if, if, if we don't get a mild winter next year, oh man, this is when it's going to get really tough because we want to recruit those bucks up. And, and, you know, just over the years, maybe you've seen this too, you know, I I can't, I I don't have any like documented right here I could tell you about, but I just remember over the years, I saw this in 96, you know, after the incredibly hard winter in 92, 93 and 92, 93 up here, dude, was on the heels of a bad drought where this Mm -hmm. winter that just came up here. And when I say up here, I mean here, Montana, Western Wyoming. Sure. Dude, these deer were doing pretty good last year. Good body fat levels. You know, we were getting right. late spring moisture. We were a little droughty, but 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 that timely moisture did come. And these guys over on the Wyoming range, um, Kevin Monteith and, you know, those guys, University of My- uh, uh, Wyoming, they were like, oh, man, our does were in great shape last year. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, in 92, 93, we didn't have that, dude. They were skinny in October. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was like you know, 21 years old looking at these deer going, man, they don't look very good. And then we got that winter on top of it, but dude, sure enough, 
you know, 93 sucked. Um, <laughs> and, and we didn't know as much about deer then as we do now. Like we were all just like, Oh, there's no deer. You know, we didn't really understand. Kind of surprised, of, right? Surprised. Yeah, exactly. We had a hard winter. They died, but I'm now surprised. I don't see deer. We didn't yeah, know. Yeah, we didn't dude, know anything, Robbie. We didn't know. We anything. didn't, dude. We didn't. But yeah, yeah, Doug Ayers. I don't remember remember him. He was from California. He was yeah. a buck hunter. He used to come up here all the time yeah. in Southeast Idaho, Montana, uh, uh, Wyoming. He was pretty wealthy. He could hunt a lot. And he was a hard hunter. And uh, man, he killed a three hundred and fifty pound buck here. Uh, didn't score all that great, dude. Probably because it was like eight or nine years old on on its downhill side. Big old heavy bases. Right. I mean, we're a junky looking buck. Yeah. And we, and we were all just scratching our heads, like, shouldn't that deer have been dead? Yeah. And um and and yet that deer made it. But what I'm getting at is in dude in 95, 94, 95, and ninety six. Those bucks that made it through that hard winter. Uh, that were probably two, uh, you know, two to three years old, dude. By '95 or '96, dude, we had some freaking giants around here. Yeah. Um. Uh. In this whole kind of inner mountain area, and that that two thirty four buck I killed was in '96, and I had him aged, dude. He was five years old. Wow. Lab aged, cut a tooth, Matson's. So yeah. I know that's what it was. So, yeah. dude, backing up the calendar, he was born in '91. Right. Okay. And so he was a two-year-old going into that hard winter. Had he been a fawn, he probably wouldn't have made it. He probably wouldn't have made it. But he was a year and a half old going into that winter, two at the end of the winter. Right. And, dude, I saw him when he was four. He was over 200 when he was four in 95. And and the other thing that happened, too, 93, massive amount of spring moisture, just like what we're getting now. Mm -hmm. 94, freaking dried right up. But it and it was kind of droughty, but it didn't yeah. last long enough to really hurt anything. And then '95 was, you know, good, just just right. You know, mm-hmm. good good moisture in the winter, but not a hard winter, not a dry spring. You know, and and and, and dude, '95 and '96, those, those were epic years. If you're hunting southern Utah north, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be harder. But man, watch over the next couple of years. I, I predict there'll be there'll be some giants that are going to surprise people that made it through those winters. And as long as we don't go into a hard drought again or another hard winter, I, th- I think I think well, some of those are, are going to show up. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I just feel like, I, you know, it is somewhat forecasted that we're in for a wet two or three years. We're in for a wet a spell. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, coming out of the drought. And, and, um, and so we'll see if, if that happens. And, I, and uh, you know, it would, it would take a lot to – to have a winter that would be worse than what we just went through, uh, especially up there where you're at. In 96, it's interesting you mentioned 96. I killed a 28-inch or 5x7 in 96 uh, over here on what we called out in PHU. It was a CWMU program in mm-hmm. the center of the Pontagon, and it was like one of the better deer alive. Like it was a drought. Yeah, you guys were drought. We were there, total right? drought in 96. Yep. And 2002 was total drought. It was brutal. And... Um, and and I know I we can go through those drought years and then I, you can match up and little did we know right back then how that affected down here in the in say mm-hmm. southern Utah mm-hmm. Nevada Arizona New Mexico um, you can line up the deer you kill or the deer you see and and what you remember is the great years and you can line it up direct with moisture from say uh, January through April uh, January through May and and it lines right up now in in and so our drought years are your good years you generally mm-hmm. if we're in a drought you're going to have a light winter or you had a light winter it's not it's not 
Mm-hmm. It's not a 180. We have a drought and you have winter loss. It's generally yeah, we happens. have amazing winter when you have a really hard winter. And, uh, you know, and, and same thing with col- in spot, spotty places within Colorado and, and things like that. So, anyway, yeah, 96 was a brutal year here. But, but um, you know, you can line up. I even like uh, like you. I like to line up when you kill those deer, how old they are, and then back it up and say, well, he was born this year. And there's now evidence similar to sheep that maybe, you know, these fawns that are born on really tough years maybe never really – reach their genetic potential because they never get out of that um, physical funk that they were born in and Mm -hmm. uh, so to speak you know and and so uh, again we we think we know it all right we know a lot more than we used to and and we we, I didn't even know why we had bad years back in the day we would just go man I don't know I just had bad luck (laughs) no they you know Robbie they weren't alive They weren't mm-hmm. alive. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. We were, we were, I mean, there might've been one literally, literally here in Southern Nevada. It's where I spent a lot of my time, you know, back in the day. And when I was aggressive, uh, had a gas card, but no wisdom and, uh, worked my guts out. Okay. And, and back in the day, you know, in, in that country in wet years, literally we would find 20 bucks over 200 inches right that each person mm-hmm. would know about or each of these good uh, guides that are spending a lot of time myself whoever and on drought years you you may know of one in four different units you would apply for and it may be unit cluster it may just be a single unit like unit 231 you might just know of one on these really extreme dry years and that buck that one buck there's one buck in 2012 i remember killed by mark lane he guided it and it went 207 the year prior it was like a 237 incher and we know the sheds were picked up right so and we have trail cameras of that deer and that deer has an amazing story to him in and of itself um never couldn't pattern him didn't have a pattern in the velvet which is rare and uh but they had a personality and and, uh just interesting those kind of deer teach you something but i guess my point is is you know um you you end up with uh you're hunting those back in the day you were hunting those the the deer that didn't exist they were just existed in your Mm -hmm. mind and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um and then now it's also interesting, you know, back in the day, let's call it uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, everybody just, there was deer for everyone. We let, we like right. to tease here in the office, we posted up a little video where, you know, an old timer's like, box, box, box. And then I saw a big bunch of bucks go running out across a meadow. Bucks, 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 every place I looked. You know, and we love, all of a sudden somebody will pipe off, you know, and we're just, we're grinding away, right? We're getting a hunt. 100 or 200 phone calls a day and we're just right in the throes right now with uh, draw results and draw deadlines both and um you know somebody will be like box 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 and it just reminds you back in the day there was bucks for everyone people party hunted legally uh, you know what i mean there was yep. there was bucks for everyone and now when you see a deer you know you it's like you have a respect for it like hey don't don't run like i'm just gonna drive by right here like you know yeah. your you, you your heart goes out to everyone you see dead along the highway you know what i mean and 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 it it kind of makes it to where you can wrap your arms around a deer herd and just be like man i care about every living deer because it they are so vulnerable and so sensitive and and we've gone through such a terrible time in in the history of our lives 
Robbie, um, whether it be your your country in winter loss and our country in drought, that you just have such a respect for every living deer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is now we know so much more about them. We actually know what's out there. And, and, and you know, you remember the old timers, and, and I still hear it even from guys that aren't that old, is, you know, on a bad year, they always say, well, everything's high this year. And, uh, and then, you know, the next year, oh, everything's low. There's always a reason, some mysterious reason they're not finding them. Where now we know enough about deer that, like, no, they're not up there. They're, they're not. not down here either. <laughs> you know, this this area right here is hurting, yeah. you know. And, I, you know, I don't yeah. just do doom and gloom either because some, some places aren't like that. But, yeah. but we know what's out there now. And so we actually know when they're down. We, you know, our radio callers are coming in. We know, man, 90 to 95% fawn loss. You know, there's, that's why I mentioned those three deer I saw a couple weeks ago, those three fawns. I'm like, holy crap, there's three fawns right there. You know, man, I want to hug them. Yeah, you do. They they made it through the winter. I mean, those are, you want to stand guard. You want to stand guard and kill any any pup coyote that's even born, you know, around in a 20 mile radius. Like you do. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I always thought, you know, why do we continue to radio call our deer? We know, like, again, we're, we're studying the crap out of them, right? What more could we learn? We know coyotes kill them. We know bears mm-hmm. like fawns. We know uh, bobcats will kill them. Like, we know these things, right? But but then you guys go through what you're going through, and then you say, well, we had a 90% loss on such and such age glass, yada, yada, yada. And that's actually real-time data that's helping real-time management. And the yeah, game and fish, bet. the game and fish, if they mismanage, it's because they chose to. It's because they decided their budget was more important than than the numbers that they see on their screen. And and they get to choose, right? And and um, whereas back in the day, we just didn't know. We just didn't know. Uh, deer tags were over the counter in, in most every state back in the day. If we, you know, we go back a couple of decades plus. I mean, we hunted general tags with, you know, in the rut with muzzleloaders. And that was when the night inlines came out. Like, we were pretty accurate with those. And and um, those were fun times. There was deer for everyone. Mm-hmm. There was deer for kids, women, children, you know, dudes, trophies. Whatever you wanted to kill, you could find it. And and, and now, with a, a hundred factors, whether it be, you know, cities, whether it be highways, mortality, winters, drought, crazy drought that we haven't seen, the likes that we haven't seen and. Who knows how long, uh, you know, as well as winter loss and 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 then all the other variables that go with it. Uh, you know, it just uh, it ends up being tough, somewhat tough, to get back to the days that we remember. And my fear is that these the old timers that know what they saw, know knew truly knew and saw what carrying capacity looked like in these units. They knew they 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 saw it. They didn't know how to quantify it, but they knew what mm-hmm. they saw, and that was 40 bucks a day or whatever, mm-hmm. that those guys will pass on, pass away. And the new generation, let's call it me and you, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not that new, but we're kind of getting old, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, we're left to, to remember what we remember, and then we got Logan here in the room, and he's going to replace you and I, and he's going to remember what he's going to remember. He has no idea what real comp- carrying capacity looked like because those guys that remember that are gone. The, the, that's, those statistics are gone. The data is gone. The memories are gone. You know what I mean? And so we manage for I, a, I new, a new carrying capacity, what we feel like carrying capacity is versus what it truly is 
once was, <laughs> you know? And so, but, but dude, this is what I always try to remember, man. And, and you're right about that. The, the, you know, memories are short, you know, memories are for a generation, but Colorado, dude, I don't, the worst deer hunting I saw was 93 to, to 99 in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, I was down there probably four of the five years and dude, it was just bad. It was just like, way, way worse than it is now. I mean, right. we're from Colorado it was way better than it was then. Right. And, um, uh, you know, even though we didn't know everything that was out there, just, you know, the, just the common guy go out and, you know, hunt a day and, and, and see what you see. It was, it was tougher then. And then Colorado turned that around without, with those limited licenses. And some will say they even, probably overmanaged it a little bit because they went off the charts in some units and you know that's a whole other subject stockpiling deer all that we can't argue with them it didn't work it freaking died when the hard winter came but it just showed me how fast you can recover a deer herd if and, and there was other things too you know they had you know the limited licenses came in in 99 and you know no real hard winters until 07 so they had you know seven years of growing deer and then decent weather in the springs you know that Mm -hmm. stuff matters to them too even though they're high elevation deer you know they can't just be drought drought right and um uh, you know maybe they they they, they're they'll still grow good antlers but their fawn production goes down dude they recovered that so fast and then dude down here in unit 56 um in idaho uh they made that a draw unit gosh when idaho flip-flopped their deer and elk seasons way back in the day like early 90s they flip-flopped it and they said hey we're gonna take 56 we're gonna make it a draw unit and um it you know pretty much sucked you know nobody went on that side of the road everybody went on the 78 73a side and uh that probably must have been maybe 91 or 92 so they kind of had to live through that hard winter so we didn't really see much happen but dude by the late 90s dude there was some smacker bucks down there <laughs> and uh um you know i started scouting in like 2002 2003 and um dude it just showed me again just how fast they can turn that stuff around and you know dude dude there was you know maybe not 40 bucks a day it's not that kind of country, but dude, a lot of good bucks. And, you know, in 2004, just, just dude, just a, a Southeast Idaho giant down there. Mm. And, you know, just, just bucks that just, and you know, you go across the road in 73A or you go, you go West into what it's over there, 57 or mm-hmm. 55. I can't even remember. Yeah. And, and, and dude, it was just like just two different worlds. And, uh, you know, and fishing game for various reasons, because 56 was kind of sticking out like a sore thumb because it was the draw unit. And so everybody moved out of it and we're just hammering the units around it. You know, hunting pressure went way up in the units and, you know, a lot of hunt, uh, dissatisfied hunters. And so they went back to OTC and, 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 and it's, you know, it, it was pretty good for a couple of years. You know, there's probably some right. of those bucks ended up in your magazine. Right. Um, uh, but, um, it, it, it's kind of got back in line with the rest of units around it. Now it just kind of ebbs and flows with the weather and, you know, stuff like that. Idaho doesn't have really any late seasons down there. So it's like a yeah. two week rifle season. So if they make it through that, they do pretty good, but it's, it's nothing like it was. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it, it just shows me that when, when, when things get in line, man, stuff can, stuff can change in a hurry. Kurt Darner used to say it all the time is, oh man, they can heal up fast. You know, be ready. They'll heal up fast and, <laughs> and maybe not as fast as they used to, but, yeah. but, uh, and, and maybe, maybe I just got rose colored glasses on. I don't know, no, but no. that's the hope I hold out. You know? It can, it can change fast. And, and what you were talking about when you initially started was, you know, when game and fish in say Colorado, um, went overboard and cut them too drastic. Let's just say, you know, how nice is it that they mismanaged to the deer benefit? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. To the benefit of the yeah. deer, for once, we mismanaged in that direction. Instead of saying, what is the maximum? I mean, we've got game and fish agencies here that are saying we have, you know, exceptional um, fawn recruitment, ex- exceptional, um, you know, retention of our fawns and, and you know, that basically wintered extremely well and didn't die and and it's abnormal in fact we're going to have more bucks on the landscape and so we're going we're going to go ahead and issue more tags based off of based off of fawn survival survivability from this year you know what i mean and you're just like mm-hmm. man like can't we just wait for a minute i mean mm-hmm. you know you know what i mean i mean we're we're issuing we're issuing a bunch of extra tags or at least wanting to um, to take advantage of, of the fawns that survived, you know, and instead of waiting for, say, those fawns to gain a little age on them and for us to truly understand what's going what's gonna to live and what it all looks like and whatnot. And so anyway, to, to have the flip of that is say we mismanaged to the, to the benefit of the deer and, and, you know, maybe overmanage. And that's what I like about hunting some of these desert areas is they're accidentally mismanaged they don't know how many critters are on the landscape but anyway Mm -hmm. that's for Mm -hmm. here in a few minutes um i do i agree with you as far as a lot of different variables came into play with uh you know going to a draw system in colorado as well as light winters great springs and it was just it was just a period of time that uh, led up to 07 that was incredible and and one that nobody forgets, Robbie, like nobody forgets. Anybody that was in Colorado will never forget that time. And and you know what's interesting and what's, I guess, and I, and I want to maintain a positivity, but is it is it not okay to, why, why can't we get back to that? Why, is it not okay to lose some to winter? They don't want to ever lose, they don't want, they want to prep. And issue tags so that all those deer go home in freezers before their winter killed. I personally think it's okay to have a span of time, say, uh, let's call it 2001 or 2002 um, through 2007 of, of or, or you know six seven that was amazing. It was like a world class experience for everyone that went. And and then we had a harsh winter. And there wasn't deer for everyone after that. And, and, and we remember that. But they, they're so scared to lose those deer to, um, you know, uh, scavengers and, uh, after their winter killed that they, they issue tags like crazy to make sure that we maximize the, and utilize the resource. And I'm, and I'm good at that. I want people to be able to hunt. But, it, but what's wrong with having that world-class experience again and not just a Unit 44 not just a unit 13B on the Arizona Strip, n- not just the late Kaibabs or, or, you know, a couple of those units up there where you're at, or say you, you know, 128 experience where you're seeing lots of deer, not, not next level giants in Wyoming, but, but you're having a next level experience. What's, what's wrong with having that here and there a little more and, and, and being okay with a little bit of winter loss, you know, but we're so scared of winter loss. That we're going to maximize and util- maximize the tags. We're going to issue every tag we possibly think can be issued, and still have the does get bred. Is the general consensus of the state agencies? It's just what it feels like to me, you know. Yeah, well, I'm listening closely to what you say, and 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 uh, I'll offer what I've learned from a few biologists, which you know could be on the other side of everything you're saying, but but and I know they were right about this because in '92. 
which was kind of the end of our four or five year drought up here. So, you know, basically, you know, Salt Lake North, it was bad up here and, you know, years of it and, you know, clearing to Colorado and everything. Our fawn recruitment was going way down. They, they, they were documenting this before the winter even came, you know, like if we were 70, 80 fawns per hundred does prior to that, when the drought came in, we were getting below 50 Sure. and, um, you know, uh, yet there was still a lot of deer surviving because we weren't losing anything to winter. And so by, uh, by 92, and they might've done this in 91, I can't quite remember. Maybe it was, maybe it was two years in a row. You could, they had two deer areas in Idaho. You could shoot a buck and a doe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's like, we, you know, I grew up in the eighties. You never heard of that. I was with the old timers talked about in the sixties and these deer that were on, you know, 72, uh, 69, um, you know, with some of the other winter ranges we hunted 78 or excuse me, 77, you know, down in there, dude, we had so many deer on those winter mm-hmm. ranges, dude, just deer sticking, deer legs sticking out of every trucks, you know, got, you know, six guys shooting 10 deer bucks, bucks, bucks. Buck, yeah. Bucks yeah. For well, and a lot of them were does too. A lot of them were right. does. Cause that, that was why it was a two deer area. And yet, dude, when that winter came in, it still hardly left anything. I mean, we knocked the crap out of those deer. Sure. And yet still the next year there was, there was hardly anything. Now you could look at that two different ways. You could look at, at it with what you're just saying that, Hey, if we would have let more live, then we'd have had more left over. But these, these biologists I was working with at that time, you know, uh, uh, Ted Chu, David Anderson, um, they were all like, see, this is what we're talking about. We would have lost those deer anyways and all the, I didn't mention this part, they were working with the habitat biologists then. They're like, they're degrading their own habitat. And so when we have this many deer on the winter range um, and then they degrade their own habitat, we're going to lose more of them in the winter than we normally would have had we not let the deer, you know, get so high. Let's just use the word stockpile now because that's what Colorado talks about is we can't stockpile deer. And those guys, it was those guys' belief, Jason, that was like, we wouldn't have had them anyways. They would have died anyways. They might as well gone home in the trucks. At two and a half and three and a half years old, Robbie, that's the problem I have with that, with the mentality is, is that in, let's call it 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, we're, get, we're maximizing tag numbers because we're scared of the, uh, uh, you can't f- forecast the future, right? But we're mm-hmm. scared when the 92, 93 winter comes. And so we're going to maximize the tags. And you wouldn't be talking, when you, Robbie, your voice, your voice comes up a click or two, you start talking fast when you're talking about those amazing times in your life, mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. saw hooves out of the back of every truck and there was bucks for everyone and, and all of this, you know, and, and, um, and so nowadays that's what I, I just, we're so worried about when that winter is going to happen that we're making it to where we haven't had a, when was the last time Colorado was really good? And when, when Colorado was really good. Yeah. When by was who, by, well, but by, by whose, whose standards? standards? Right. That's, right. That's exactly. That's always what I got to throw in. There. Well, by, and not, and not there's not one. There's not one person that doesn't talk about 0506, 03, right. 04, 05, and 06. There's not one person that doesn't remember that. Right. Yeah. I was there every year. Okay. It was, it was unbelievable. Good, but... In fact, your voice gets faster. You, you, you come up a level. You, you, it's exciting. Right, right, and now you know when's when's that ever going to happen again? Only if we accidentally mismanage units will that happen again, or weather. Uh, the, the other thing too, Jason, is what I would what I would add to that is is as I'm with you, those those were those were great years. 
but I didn't get a buck every year. Me neither. Right? Me neither. And, and, but it was great to see that many deer on the lamb steak. But tell me if I'm wrong. 07, 08, okay, that was bad. I mean, 07 was good, but 08 was bad because of that winter. Really bad in the Gunnison, really bad in the Eagle. And then, you know, we felt those residual effects in those units. But really throughout the state, there was I, – I, all the deer took, took a hit, even though those units were where the, where the heart of the winter kill was. It's similar to what just happened in southeast Idaho and northern, northern Utah. Like, that's where it's going to be the toughest, but I'm still expecting the guys out at Arco and, you know, up Island Park. You know, they're going to see some less deer too. But tell me if I'm wrong. By 2010, 11, 12, Colorado was doing pretty good again. Things were good. Yeah, things were good. Um, okay. You know, I okay. killed. I kill. I mean, I've killed a number of big deer in Colorado, you know, um, and and I and I agree with that. Like you can you can you can say you know depending on the year, um, you know, in Swatch I killed a thirty-two inch mid nineties, another mid nineties out of Swatch, a two twelve out of Eagle on uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, a, a buck out of 21, 34 inch, you know, I mean, there's a number, and that was an 08 actually in 21, um, you know, a, a 34 inch 207 buck, like there's a, there's a number of, of, you could say, you know, great deer that were killed by other people. A lot, a lot of people, you know, have, but I think a lot of it was the fact, uh, just factors of numbers of hunters in the field. And Colorado's unique. It has, uh, you know, we always thought, Robbie, in, in, you know, there's a lot of thick country. And there's a lot of escapement, uh, or at least was. And and then now, the last X amount of years, you're just wondering, people are wondering, well, I can't wait for these late dates. These late dates are going to come out of the woodwork. And then these late dates happen, and they never come out of the woodwork. And and then you're, you're like, you, t- you talked about when we first started talking, is this, are they really in the woodwork? You know, do they re- do they really exist, or have we hunted them pre-rut, rut, post-rut, whatever, second, third, fourth seasons hard enough with enough tags, uh, you know, in, in in the name of helping CWD in some areas, we got to you know we got to curb the age class because of that, or or whatever it is, maybe just the fact of just maximizing tags and opportunity, and and prepping for you know uh, a a winter kill at some point that's you know that doesn't just wipe us all out because they didn't exist because they went home in trucks at two and a half three and a half four and a half years old and so you know i uh, you can't argue that it's never everybody says it'll never be back to what it once was and and i guess my contention is like why why can't it be why do we why do we have to continually hunt them in the rut when we know rut hunting's hard on deer although robbie just like you i love i love deer you rut. and I are going this year. Yeah, I'm going. Just admit it. I already know. I've We're already trying dro- to get a tag. I, I We're going. I, no, I'm not even trying. I drew. <laughs> so, you know, I've got plans uh, with my son, and we drew. And so, anyway, uh, interesting, interesting stuff to talk about. I'm, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the, I'm on that trophy spectrum. You know, but having said all that, you know, there's arguments here in Utah that they're going to go to one point system and basic or potential, right? We're just going to review, review it and, and consider it instead of having general, instead of having general tags and then limited entry deer tags and a dedicated point, you know, where you can basically get three different deer points here in Utah is consolidating those and make, uh, because in essence, everything's limited. I see what you mean. So you don't, you don't have a, a A general entry point, a general point. Okay. You would just have points. So they're going to, you know, review that and stuff. And I was on that bandwagon there a while back. I mean, we're talking several years ago. It's like, geez, everything's limited entry anymore. Everything is, but but if you do that, <laughs> this it's going to become really tough to draw everything, right? Just just everything in general. 
and um, and then it kind of opens things up to be managed differently than maybe just a general status. Who who knows what that's going to look like? And so you can these evolutions of of harder to get tags is also painful. Um, just you know, you, you we've watched over the counter tags kind of dissipate, and and that's painful. But you just you just don't know the perfect right answer because there's just not bucks hanging out of trucks like there used to be for everyone with over-the-counter tags. And like you said, it's a large, large part of its weather. It's true. Uh, yeah, here, I, I, never, I, I, never, I never valued the, the, the impact a drought would have until I'm, A, I'm old enough to see it and understand it, and it's severe enough. It's not just a, uh, you know, an ebbs and flows type drought. We're talking about a serious drought. And, and we used to have m- managers say, well, you know, what, what can we do to help the deer herd? Well, pray for rain. Well, that's not really yeah. a management strategy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's something mm-hmm. you can do, too. But honestly, it's kind of true. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you need to pray for rain. Like, there is, the, uh, rain here is life. And mm-hmm. and it affects everything. And it's similar to, I listened to, you know, your podcast. It was I think it was with Randy. Um, and he talked about, I'd rather go through. A sh- a, you know, a hard a, winter, a, a hard winter than a than a drought that we've been through. Yeah, because well, it affects that was the vegetation. Kind of a sh- change in thinking, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I I, I yeah. agree with him, but I don't know that I could quantify it until I heard it from him. And mm-hmm. and it's the truth. These droughts are they're 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 killing the vegetation. It's not just like well, the vegetation didn't grow new leaders. It's like it's killing it in parts of parts of the country down here. And and it's and the deer are affected by it so drastically for multiple years that you just anyway you know well and that's why i'm not going to go down the doom and gloom path dude i mean like look at look at lake powell and look at lake mead what happened down there the last couple of years (laughs) i I mean gee when you do they're out there pulling out 50 gallon barrels with with mafia hits in them you know the lake got so i thought we weren't going through the doom and gloom now we're talking about dead bodies in 50 yeah, gallon yeah, drops. There, there we go, dude. But what I'm saying, I, I, dude, I'm agreeing with you. Mega drought, mega yeah, drought, dude. Now true. those lakes are those lakes are set to come up. You know, 70, 80, 90 feet this year, and and yeah. and, dude, I'm just calling it. You guys are going to get back into a good cycle here. And Utah, now that the, the way that we set it up, love it or hate it, dude, the licenses are limited. You know, by by by, by the whatever you call them down there, zones. Um, you know, they're they're micromanaged, similar to Colorado. And you guys got a thumb on it, dude. I'm looking at a note on my note board right here dude it's just old notes from when i wrote my book dude that in the late 80s utah was given a quarter million deer licenses yeah. and by 2012 you guys were down to 74,000 deer licenses and you're about that right now right yeah, 70 just 80? under 70 yeah gotcha and i know it's like wow that that really sucks but dude in that time you know you guys had some banner years during that time too and and dude i think if we get a little cooperation from the weather here and and you guys got a thumb on your licenses there i'm calling it dude you're going to be smiling here in a couple of years you're going to be hard to get on the podcast because you'll be like oh man he's going to be needling me for waypoints man he knows i'm looking at all these giants and um uh you know that's no. just how i have to think or i can't hunt but but i'm with you on on your you know people's memories are short and everything um you know i, I get all all that i think what we're up against jason is that every time they these states put out these surveys these hunter satisfaction surveys and and i do i'm with you man i'm on the trophy hunting spectrum dude i i like big bucks that's what i want to manage for man if it if it was up to me dude we'd manage every western state like colorado managed theirs from from 99 to 2008 man that's how i want that's how i want to do it but 
dude, that, that limits a lot of participation. And when these, these States come back, you, people are just, they want to hunt every year. And Jason, whether we like it or not, there's a lot more of them than there are of us. And, I agree. And I, that's and I want them against. to hunt. I want them to hunt. I want there to be bucks, bucks, bucks. I want everybody when there's, <laughs> when there's plenty of good deer and good age class on the landscape, everyone's happy. Uh, you're, you're, you're the guys that just want to kill something for the first time are happy. Uh, the, the the trophy hunters are happy. I mean, just waking up in the morning yeah. thinking there might be something special. We sh- Robbie, if we know there's nothing special on the landscape in a unit, I don't think that's correct management. If you if you get up and you have no positive thinking that, oh yeah, you know I, I just feel like or there, this but has been over hunted and over harvested. There's units that are like that though. You know there is. I mean, and, but they're always they've always been that way, dude. That, that's what I'm trying to say, dude. They've yeah. always been. There's always been places like I I think there's more now. That's <laughs> I do. But, dude, there's always been units just hammered, yeah. hammered. Yep. You know, that was there why is. they took 56 out of the general pool. It was just getting hammered. Too mm-hmm. many roads, not enough not enough survivability. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's always been good. Dude, I remember, dude, growing up in the 80s, and I didn't know it, but we were living in the freaking heyday of mule deer. And, dude, all my uncles moaning about the freaking deer hunting and mm-hmm. the number of hunters and the number of guys from Utah. And, and, dude, you go look at our tag numbers. We don't have any more non-residents in Idaho now than we did then. No. And, um, uh, yeah, dude, it was, it was just doom and gloom. I mean, they're, they're ruining all the deer and yeah, we didn't really know that what was out there, you know, now I realize what was out there, but, but dude, you said something a minute ago when, when, you know, when there's, when there's, you know, there's none in the unit. Well, dude, I don't think that's happening on a wide scale. None in the unit. Mm. Did I understand you? Yeah. You understood me. I just think I, I, you're, you're right because you and I aren't hunting those areas. Robbie, like you and I aren't hunting mm-hmm. those areas, but if you, I just, I feel like if, you know, if, if, yeah, I just, I feel like there, there's, there's areas that we're, ma- we're maximizing tags, if not mismanaging to uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, not on the deer side, right. To, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. issuing more tags than they should be. And, and then that results in, you know, a lot less older age class bucks than, then would be healthier, should be, or whatever. And so, um, that's just, I mean, that's just my feeling. I don't know. You, I mean, you, you can't tell me that things are good and that, that, that you know, uh, unlimited over the counter tags are good for everybody, but having, but there's like, you're saying there's a happy medium. You don't also need to just give 40 tags total to make sure that we're seeing, you know, 40 inch, 240 type bucks. Mm-hmm. And, right. and so there's a little right. bit of give and take and, and, and Arizona can do that, right? They can pick out a couple of units and do that because they got the entire rest of the state to work with and, and have plenty of deer for everybody just to hunt. And, and that makes sense, right? That's, that makes sense for them. It keeps everybody happy. They're continuing with the over the counter archery tag, although that's had its challenges and they've wanted to help, you know, curtail what's happening there. And, and yet uh, having a lot of public feedback because people don't like change. And, and, and I don't like change either. I mean, it's change, change is hard. And then once it changes, you feel like you can never get it back. And I think that's also another reason people have a hard time letting go of the over-the-counter Wyoming residents going to have a hard time letting go of that if it ever came to that or, you know, Idaho at times. And so, you know, those are, those are, those are hard things to think about. And, uh, you know, like you say, just like you said, weather, weather plays a, an important role. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of other things that are happening. A lot of other yeah, and and, and tell me what you think about this. And, and Ryan Hatfield had had it in his in his book about when everything was general. And um, now in Idaho, dude, when people tell me unlimited over the counter, in my mind, 
dude, it was never unlimited over the counter here no. ever, even when it was OTC, because there was still a cap on non-resident deer tags. And, and dude, in the eighties, they were selling out on December 1st. No, dude, no internet, no texting, no yeah. vendors. You couldn't, you know, run up to Idaho. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you had to call in on the phone. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, stretch mm-hmm. the cord across the room, sit there, wait. <laughs> dude, those tags were gone, especially the Southeast Idaho tags. You know, if you, I don't know if you remember this. Oh, they I remember. Were gone in, we killed big bucks in, in Southeast hour. Idaho. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was just amazing. And, and so, um, and, and, and so, the reason I say that is because even then, dude, once those tags were sold on December 1st, the only way the number of hunters could go up is if we grew a bunch more residents that year. Well, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was, it was never just this unlimited, no, no, no cap on the hunters. And, and, and that's why I point out to people right now that, that, Hey, we've still got about the same number of non-resident hunters, but this is what's changed, Jason. This is, this is why I'm, I push back a little bit on overmanagement of the deer. All the residents in Idaho got all pissed off a couple of years ago. And now I don't know if it's because they can get organized on Instagram or what it is because they've been pissed off for years. And they push back on the non-residents just like Wyoming's doing. And, and, and then Idaho, we didn't change the number of deer tags. We changed how they were allocated to take some pressure off some units that probably needed it. I'm not saying that that, that that wasn't warranted. So do you know what almost every Idaho resident feel or non-resident feels like now when they have a tag in their pocket, that they have a draw tag Mm -hmm. and now they hunt it like a draw tag. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's key. I think there that's you key. Go, dude, I think we're five years ago, it's like, oh, those are left over. Yeah. You know, you I'll ate them. One of those. You yeah. ate them. You just had one to have it. Now you're having it because it, it's the only tag you can get. And so, and if you treat that as a Henry Mountains deer tag and you put in real effort and real work with new technology and time, and, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of money out in, in the world, so people are putting real, a lot of gallons of fuel and willing to do it, and they have reliable trucks and cybersides and four wheeler and 14,000 other things every and all the the you know new age social uh, or excuse mm-hmm. me digital ways of learning units and and uh, and tech and uh social media and everything else like people are learning things uh, companies like ours whatever and and uh you know people are like you're saying they they do maximize their tech where's the residents you know this is something they don't maybe truly value because it just comes and it's somewhat cheap way cheaper than i think that should be um you know price of a resident deer tag should be double or triple what it what it is even in my state um yes but but they won't even keep up with inflation really because because we you know the residents grown so hard doesn't matter what state you're talking about but but anyway having said all that um we we value it and so we're going to maximize it and and maybe we do cream off a little bit of an older deer on average than a resident, even without the resident knowledge, even without the local resident knowledge. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like up, up, up here, it always seemed like the non-residents were better hunters. Now someone's going to drive by and egg my house. I know, but it, it, it they just did, dude. They, they, they came, they stayed. I don't know longer. if they're they better. Serious they're just it. more serious. That, I don't know that they're yeah, better. There you go. They're just more yeah, serious. And, and I have no facts on this to show that, hey, they had a significantly higher harvest rate. I, you know, I, I don't know. It just felt like the not, I mean, that's why there was so much hate for them. Like, as some guys come up here, look at all them bucks in the back of their truck. And I'm like, 
Rick, you were back at the cafe at 9.30. What are you complaining about? You know, those guys have been camped at the end of that two-track road for five days. But, but, but. So they were they're, they're non-residents. You know, once they cross the state line, they've all they've always invested more. But since Idaho has gone to this cap in these certain units, you know, now, now the guys that are landing these tags, they're they're just upping their game even more. So, do you, you think it was it, you know, good or bad? Is that good or bad? So really, yes. really, you, your caps are causing people to to in your in your what you're saying is the caps are causing people to be more serious. If you didn't have caps, I wouldn't value it. I would probably eat that tag because I might get a Colorado tag that would conflict. But mm-hmm. you're just saying yeah. you're saying now that cap tag in 26 or that cap tag in 73 or whatever, I'm gonna really I'm gonna really utilize. And yeah, I got a draw value. tag now. I got a freaking draw tag. Right. And I got so- a tag that's that's got value because so many people wanted it, and I got lucky and was first in the waiting queue you know yeah yeah exactly and now all the other units that used to just sit there you know take you know for those people that don't, that don't know what we're talking about 75 77 72 mm-hmm. um you know those always just had a lot of focus from non-residents you know those mm-hmm. the, 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 when people could just buy a general idaho deer tag and go to any unit those units suffered because more people ended up in them. So to answer your question, the cap was a good thing for places like that. Mm -hmm. But for all the other units that were just mediocre, average, nobody really thought about them. Now, once the the cap is hitting those units I just mentioned, people are jumping over to other units and saying, well, well, there's still one there. They'll grab that one. Dude, they're calling me. They're calling me the, you know, by, by, by 11 o'clock on the, the, uh, the day in December, it's December 1st. It goes live. I think mm. uh, they're calling me by 11. o'clock. Hey dude, I didn't get the one I wanted, mm. but Hey, I got this one over here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, same thing. Even thinking same thing. about that unit. Mm-hmm. And so now back to this holy muley, whole muley matters thing, that dude is going to go over there and shoot a deer now. Where a couple of years ago, dude, he didn't care about that tag. Mm-hmm. He didn't care, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so I can't say if it's good or bad. I can just tell you, I don't think in the long run, it's going to grow us any more bucks. And maybe it wasn't intended to, maybe it was just a social thing, you know, cause a lot of these residents don't want to see anybody else in the field, man. If they see anybody else, there's no deer on the mountain, you know, the non-residents, well, kill them all. you know, it, it is going to help with that in some place. Somehow they're in their minds. They're saying, We've got, we have pressure. We, Robbie, the quality isn't like what you were talking about in the 80s. You're talking about deer hanging out of the backs of trucks, right? And so the same now, thing. Remember, game, those weren't big deer. Okay. I was just saying I that. Was only but there two, was deer. Two, two there, was deer real, there was real yeah. carrying capacities being yeah. that. Well, right? the, no, no. You no, think there was real carrying capacity? The, the, the carrying capacity, the, that's why there was so many deer died that winter they were so far over carrying capacity jason you could go down there around soda springs dude and you could you could see the browse line from a mile away just look up on a hillside right. you could see the browse line I, on the juniper. I, I understand that but so, but so on a normal I, it, but you're say, also but there you're, there's a, there's a, maybe a difference between a carrying capacity that's in average winters versus the carrying capacity of an extreme once a decade winter Yes, totally. And so, and so we're up to carrying capacity in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Were, and people, there was bucks and deer for everyone, right? And then yeah. we meet this winter kill. You're, you're, if, if what you say by the letter of what we're talking about, by the letter of the law, so to speak, exactly what you say is, is that because, be, deer died because we were exceeding carrying capacity when the winter hit. Mm-hmm. So if we were under 
carrying capacity, if we were under that, would all of the deer lived? Not all of them. I think a hard winner is a hard not. winner. I think hard I mean, winners is. are hard winners. And uh, and feet get covered Jason, up. And, they're, and they're cr- right snow now. gets crusted and winds happen. And, and you know what I mean? And I know what they're saying. I, I do. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. But so how do we... So how do we get back to the good days? If if and and that's what Game and Fish is saying. How okay, we want to make these guys happy. We don't really like them barking up the tree and screaming at us. How do we get back to those good days that everybody remembers cuz right now every fishing game agency's is thinking that people think they're useless, right? And they're mismanaging. When in reality it's a lot of factors, weather and other things. But how do we get back to those good days and Game and Fish is saying Gosh, I guess we got to limit tags, but then we go away with this OTC for residents. And so the next best step is the first thing we can limit for other, even further, we can even further restrict the non-resident. And and then that's kind of maybe the initial step before we truly go to a draw on OTC. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems to be, that seems to feel like where it's headed. Right. Same thing with Wyoming. Wyoming's saying, Wyoming's saying, we, you know, we're not going to, we have, we don't have, we have half the deer on our landscape in, in a lot of these areas, but okay. we are not going to limit tags. So why do we even have management? Why don't we just, you know, and so. Wyoming's managing residents through point restriction and season length, and they're managing non-residents through a cap on permits. which Through a cap, a cap I mean, that's they... always been there, and so we're just going to cut down another 100 tags or 200 tags, but in the big scheme of things, what's that? Other than... Nothing, exactly, right. nothing. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, it, yeah. It, yeah, but you know what? I know one of the biologists that lives over there, and, and of course, you know, in this conversation, he's the enemy, but he's like, these deer down here, and he's talking 135, right? You're talking about, he goes, all I got to do is get them through two and a half weeks of a rifle season, and they're going to make it. And he says, that's why we have big bucks. Mm. All things considered, good winters, no drought, all that kind of stuff. Mm. To him, that's not a very long season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was his, because that's what him and I were talking about, mm. you know, was because I was talking about pressure on deer. And he's like, pressure on deer? He says, we don't have that much pressure. And he's talking about, you know, down in decay and, you know, all that stuff there. He's like, yeah, we got to you know, pressure around the roads on top, you know, stuff like that, you know, the easy places to get. So, so I don't know, Jason, look, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I got rose colored glasses on here because, cause I kind of do, you know, I'm not, I'm not wrecking, I'm not ignoring the fact that right now we, we, we are in a slump and, um, you know, I relate a lot of that to weather, but the way that the, 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 that the game and fish has their thumb on tags right now, um, you know, we, we could do really well, especially in your state, if we get favorable weather coming back. I think it's going to happen this it's year. It's huge. Part of your state. I think it's, it's huge. huge. That's if there that's was deer, if like, there was deer, careful. yeah, if there was deer, we wouldn't even have these conversations. Everybody's a hero. It wasn't even, a f- but a few years ago, everybody was saying, you know, our deer back, there was deer everywhere. There was a few big deer on our general areas and people were somewhat happy in it. And it came and went with, with weather. And so, you know, we're also dealing, you know, there's, there's just a, it shouldn't just be a one-year thing, right? And so, it um, exactly. it, it shouldn't, but, it, but this is the most extreme circumstance we've ever experienced is the drought we've been through. And it's not talking one year, you know, there's, there's times we get a little bit of rain in April and May and we're shouting for joy, thinking there's going to be some good antler growth. And there is <laughs> at times, you know, but it's overall, it's still, we're still in this huge not, drought that's, it's having, 
minimal, uh, you know, uh, yearly annual effects that add up uh, everywhere, a little bit everywhere, feed, fawns, whatever the case is, right? And when water and, and, you know, games congregating on water and they're easier for me to kill and you to kill and, and predation. And there's just so many of these intangibles that are getting to be more tangible with, um, technology and, and knowledge mm -hmm. and biologists mm -hmm. and things like mm -hmm. that. Right. And, and right. universities that are spending time thinking about it and and doing studies and all of these good things, but we're in unusual times and we also have incredible amounts of technology and, and with uh, a limited resource, people value it more, right? We used to let dogs chew on, not we, my, my heritage, <laughs> your heritage, used to let dogs, exactly. do dogs chew on 35 inch deer, uh, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, absolute giants that won Jeeps down here in Vegas. Right. And, and those deer can't be found in many cases. Um, uh, you know, for a number of anyway, but, uh, having said that, um, now when there aren't any, when it's not available, like you said, the tags aren't just free to everybody. They're becoming more and more restrictive. They feel like a draw tag because the caps are tighter and tighter and the demand's higher and higher. It's the same thing when deer, when big deer become less and less plentiful, then we put more and more emphasis on them, more and more value. We go to great lengths. We scout a lot more. Everybody seems like, it seems like nobody has a job. Everybody has two months to scout or they're figuring it out and they're working their guts out and they're good at mm -hmm. what they're doing. They've got incredible mm -hmm. glass. They got, yep. uh, they, they got video equipment. We're all showing each other on, on social media what we're finding and it's creating a, a sense of urgency to get out there and work harder because, you know, whereas before it was just like, oh, I'm going to fail in silence over here and I'm going to mm -hmm. read uh, Eastman's or Trophy Hunter. Uh, mm -hmm. back in the day and and see a little a little highlight reel that's going to get me excited for next year and and now we're seeing everything that's killed right if you even hear about it you see it and so anyway and so how do we combat those times i mean these are with technology drought winters whatever the case is uh, you know and and demand and and hunter numbers and all of these things these are just cruel and unusual times that um, sometimes require cruel and unusual steps to remedy in places where we can um but or we just give over-the-counter tags in every state to residents unlimited over-the-counter tags in every state to residents and we'll do non-resident caps and we say that's management and and i don't know if that's the answer either but i but i don't know necessarily the answer because i can't i don't want it to be like henry's where i can never get a tag i don't really want it to be like uh, the Ponscott where i can never get a tag or oak creeks or 13 a and b or the kaiba blade or a number of areas. Two, yeah, two, there's two, enough of 2B, that 2B, 2C, 2B2C in New Mexico. What, every state has them, right? You know, 44. Yep. Well, yep. You yep. know, and yep. so, but there should be, <laughs> we, we, you know, we should be as excited as I am for this year, right? Like, like on a more regular basis, and I guess maybe that's just this cruel drought that we've been through and your guys' winter kill it. Hey, you know, but things are it's all, com it's all compounding. Everything you just said, the technology, the harder hunting, you know, stuff like that's all compounding. You know, we're, we're, we're more accessible, you know, we, we can travel more, but dude, I still remember back in the nineties, you know, just barely out of my teens going to these meetings and fishing game are like, man, every time we try to start a new season over here, you know, I 15 just ruins it because people can travel so easily. Now, you know, it's nothing yeah. for, I remember the guy saying it's nothing for a hunter to, 
drive 150 miles now in a morning before daylight, you know, and, and we do it. coming off of, well, you know, like the eighties and seventies where, you know, it was 55 miles an hour and, you know, your, your truck had a carburetor and it maybe didn't start, you know I mean? It's just, true. People just weren't so mobile. You had All points that, that you changed every 6,000 miles or whatever. Like there was, yeah. you know, real distributor caps. I mean, I don't know. It was no, a challenge. Think about that now. My daughter jumping, jumping her car right now and drive to Southern Utah and not even think about it. Not you know? even think about it. It'd be disappointed if it broke down and it has yeah, 200,000 miles on it. You know? It does. That's 205. Yeah, driving, yeah, right, right, anywhere. right. You drive it anywhere. And that so, it so is, that. so these are intangibles that I'm talking about, you know, that you can. And they compound. And they compound. And, and uh, you know, get, we're, how do you account for those? And I don't, I'm not saying tag numbers. Is well, this, that's where I'm trying to take this conversation is when, when we were talking about Colorado. And I think we both agreed, yeah, that hard winter, 07, 08, you know, management was changed. Licenses went up in some units. Point creep actually slowed down in Gunnison Basin. You would know this better than me. So yeah. if I screw any of these numbers well, up, okay. just say it. I don't have but, any notes, really. I got one yeah, piece of but, paper you know, to write it, on. But, but, but they, they, they upped the tags, and so point creep kind of slowed down. And to me, it felt like kind of like 09 through, dude, even right now, Although let's back up a couple of years because I know we, we really put the smack on the Bucks last November. And, um, you know, the last three Novembers, we had late third seasons. Although 2021, we didn't do them any harm. It was 60 degrees T-shirt weather for most right. guys. Um, but let's just say up to 2020. I thought those were pretty good years. You you could get a license. And I'm not talking about 44 or 66. But, I mean, you could get a license. Grundle unit. Every yeah. And, 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 and you could make, you couldn't go every year, but you know, it was kind of a good trade-off, you know, one, one to two point units. And unless I just got shafted by the weather, you know, 65 degrees on November 7th, mm-hmm. you know, the last day of, of, of third season, which has happened to me many times over the last 20 years, I could find big bucks. Maybe I didn't get one, but I could find them. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was like a good balance. Like, okay, we got enough licenses here that we, we, you know, you can't look at the 44s, you can't look at the 66s, you can't do that. But, you know, these other units, I don't want to throw them out there, but, but you know, you could go hunting. Oh, you can. I mean, you can, I mean, whatever, right? And There's then so it kind of got them. harder the last couple of years, but that was because of the late dates and the focus on third season. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. kind of moved to that. You know, we all know those bucks are vulnerable. I mean, I got a 30-incher last year. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what you got. Adam got a big buck. I mean, these are all these are all dates that did this. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're just riding the wave. And even though I'm like, man, I kind of wish we weren't doing this, I'm not going to miss out either. I'm not going to be, you know, 65 years old saying, yeah, I didn't go those years. You know, I gave them bucks a break. <laughs> going every uh, year. Know? Going every year, Rob. <laughs> totally, totally. That's right. And because so, of the so chance. Because of the chance. And, but, uh, because of the chance. But there's nobody but, that – there's also n- nobody that's eating more tags than I am. And I'm and I've, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm just, you know, just realize I'm going to eat tags, right? And so – but I but you got to be out there to make it happen. And you're always trying to outthink the system. And I think that's what all of this has done. There are places in Idaho that are that have a there's a giant deer there's there's ten giant deer that are going to be killed in Idaho this year right or fifteen probably yeah. prob- probably fifteen or twenty really but fifteen ten to fifteen that you and I'll hear about mm-hmm. and where is that going to be and that's what's that's part of the game and that's what I live for I, that's why I'm not just going to the same 
area in Colorado or even Utah, even I'm skipping around on my general, I should be hunting out my back door. And I'm a little mm-hmm. disgusted right now that I'm not going to be, um, you know, but my kids are happy, right? Cause I'm, and, and I'm playing the point system for them pretty hard. Um, because they, you know, I mean, it's, you gotta think and you gotta understand systems anymore to be able to get, get the uh, opportunities. And so we're doing that and we're aggressive with it. And, um, and so, but where are these places that you, like you're talking about, there's certain places in Wyoming that are going to be okay. There's certain places in Idaho. In fact, there's a good chunk of Idaho that's actually maybe going to have a little relief and, and, yeah. uh, and has suffered from even, you could call it drought conditions, uh, uh, coupled with uh, tough winters, not this kind of a winter, but you, you know, as well as I do, there's, you know, if it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't had incredibly light winters over the past, no, you know, no, yeah, 17, right? 19, that's right. 23. That's right. I mean, that's, that's three right. in what, six years. Dude, that's right. That did not, not devastating, not, not necessarily devastating, but it did take a chink out of them. You know what I mean? And you, you couple that with dry summers, there's just, there's just things that happen and weather is so important, I guess. And I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that we're going to have to roll with things with the weather a bit. And, and it's, I think that's a, I used to think it's a cop out. I still kind of wonder, but it's a cop out because <laughs> we can blame weather, right? Cause we can't do anything about it. And right. so, okay. You know, that's God's plan and it is what it is. And uh, we're going to pray for rain or we're going to pray for a light winter or whatever the case is. And so but yeah, here we are praying for rain. Right. And we both right. right. <laughs> but, 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 but Hey, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face right now. It's nice. Cause, cause rain down here equals life and in all all species all it doesn't matter if it's birds or freaking ground squirrels it doesn't matter and so uh anyway that, we're that's the same thing and, and, and that's the same thing with 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 colorado where and that's what everybody's doing and that's part of the game and i freaking love it i love thinking about those kind of things i love just getting tags and then i'm thinking I, like i'm gonna get an antelope tag in colorado and I, i'm gonna push it back because i got too many tags going on right now and I'll, you know, and they give you a little grace period where you can get your money and your points back. I'm going to push it back, and mm-hmm. and uh, because you know, and let somebody like Travis grab it that really wants it this year. And and uh, uh, turn back your antelope tag. That's what he wants. Yeah, that's what he wants, right? And so anyway, I just it's uh that's all part of the game. And where and I guess that's um that's why I started hunting the desert is, is I felt like I get away from people. You need to go where deer can die of old age. And I want more deer mm-hmm. to die of old age. That's why I'm, I guess I'm so passionate about, you know, some of these things. And maybe I'm on the spectrum and I, and I'll admit it. I'm on the spectrum of ultra take care of the deer versus opportunity. And maybe, and there's a, there's a balance, uh, you know, there is, there's a balance of what you're talking about and, and I'll meet you there in the middle uh, to a degree, but, but it's just hard when, when things are hard, there's not bucks for everyone, and when things are good, everyone should be out in the field. And and uh, you know how how do we do that, right? But I always started I started in the desert because it was mismanaged accidentally. That you know game and fish mm-hmm. didn't necessarily mm-hmm. know what was out there on the landscape. Just like your Arco Desert, just like mm-hmm. whatever, right? How do you how do you quantify how many deer are out there in that giant desert in the lava fields and different things? And and um, and so there's deer dying of old age, and and if you got the right area of say, a Nevada or wherever, right? I killed a big deer out of Vegas. I mean, if it, mm-hmm. that's not where big deer normally reside, but on a wet year they do, and and they do have the right genetics, but they never reach their genetic potential because the nature of that area is dry. But when you get that mm-hmm. abnormal 
water, then something big happens and a guy should do everything he can to be there, wherever that is, right? The local knowledge mm-hmm. will tell you where you should be because you, sh- you know, or you're not trying. Again, it goes back to when you first started. You said something about um, don't oh cross out your units on your turn back tags to merely matters. So I don't necessarily know what tags you have. <laughs> Robbie, like, like, like I could care less. And that's what people will send me. They're getting more comfortable with sending me video clips of big deer or whatever. And you too, because I'm not chasing their dreams. I've got dreams of my own. I got debucked yeah. named bucks that I'm so forward to looking forward to seeing. And, and I've got, and I would never do something like that. And, and, uh, a, you'd be crushed on social media or whatever, and and, and B, would, uh, you're not going to find it anyway. I mean, and and right. C, you got to get the tag. And D, I got so many other plans. I'm already turning back my own tags, and maybe even I have an OTC tag in Idaho, Robbie. I have one, mm-hmm. and and uh, probably won't use it. But it was it was meant for the rainy day tag that you're talking about. It was meant for I got something for me and my boys when my boys don't draw something. You know, Mm -hmm. and we can go and have a hunt together. And now they've got tags. And so do it. And then they've got school and they've got work and they've got other challenges that dad doesn't have because I'm uh, I'm 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 here in the industry and and I can dictate my schedule. And so I can go on more hunts. And so anyway, uh, interesting stuff, all of this stuff that we're talking about and and uh, how to find that next level buck and. And 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 just like Gunnison Basin, we talk about Gunnison, right? Why? Because they had incredible deer, and it was it's somewhat easy to hunt, and they're visible, and mm-hmm. way fun, lots of deer, right? And so you have a special sportsman's group over there that cared a lot about it, and and rode upstream, and 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 uh, uh, I don't again, I don't want to say argued, but had a, a very sincere, serious talks with Game and Fish. And are always at odds with them on tag numbers because they want those days back, or they want mm-hmm. Gunnison to come back to what it is known to potentially be, to mm-hmm. potentially be right. Not just have the one area forty-four unit twenty-one back in the day. It's not that way anymore. But you know, not just have the one or two special places. And so we're all just we all want big bucks, Robbie. Like we all want big bucks. And we're all not going to get them, and we're all and we're not going to come back to those days. And I guess at some point, it's hard for me to resolve myself to that. It, those late '80s are were were meant for the late '80s, and they're going to stay there. That's hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, change is hard. You say it all the time, but it it's just change. And to me, I'm just looking for the next opportunity, and I believe it's going to be there. That, that, that's, I don't know how it's going to come about. I can't predict the weather. Um, but I, I know to just continue to make hunting more restrictive, more restrictive, more restrictive, more restrictive. Isn't I don't want to, well, I don't, I don't think it is. I think it would grow more big bucks. It would do all of that stuff, but we've got to strike a happy medium between, you know, having the funding to fund our game departments. Cause that's the other thing too. I don't want a game department to ever have to go to the general fund of the public and say, Hey, you know, we got to have money here because we're not able to raise it because then they get a, a, a stronger voice in, in the, in the, whole thing and i don't want that i want to be able to tell my non-hunting family i paid for this those deer you like to see up there at the end of Ammon lincoln road i paid for those deer even though you just go look at them and you don't shoot them it's my license dollars that do it well and so and what do you think a license should be worth as a resident it's 
it's it's too low, I think, especially the way hunting has evolved and become more specialized. Roughly, more, pe- more roughly, people don't r- mind spending more money on a tag. What's your but, what's your resident tag fee roughly right now? Well, let's see. I bought my dad's last night. Now he's a senior, and I apply. I bought him a license, and I applied him in the controlled hunt, so I didn't have to buy his tag yet. But it was like thirty bucks for a senior, and my dad was joking around. He's like, "Well." You know, that's, that's a lot of money considering I'm not going to get one because he's not going to get what? one. <laughs> and that's my point. That's my point. How can you fund a, how, how can you fund a, a state on that? Dude, hey. well, hold on, hold on. So that's a senior license. Okay. Okay. My license, my, my dear tag, I don't know, 25 bucks, something like that. I <laughs> how can remember. you fund a state on that? That's my yeah. point. $25, Robbie. You realize what that they're means? They're doing in, it. You're 20, 20, they're doing it, but you're in the red. The game, you, Idaho is is struggles not to be in the red. You know this. Oh, I I do know it, but we're still funding our game department, and then we can get into the whole argument of that. Or they spend the money well, wise, or they spend it where we should have. Should we be having these right, four million you, dollar fish hatcheries? But and all if this you look at the price of vehicles, okay, yeah, and then you look that's at the, where I was going, and you look at the price of tags, it's just a percentage wise of increase. I contend that it's not keeping up with inflation. Because, That's where I was going, and 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 then what does it? What is all these studies? You think they're they're not free, right? All of the all of the, uh, our our game departments and all of the trucks and and wages and and health insurance and all of these things go into funding a department, right? And so, at some point, uh, at twenty five dollars, you almost feel guilty, like you almost want to give them fifty and call it a day. Because uh, guys like us, you're exactly right. Yeah, and exactly. and yeah, some guys like your your dad would be like, "Hey, I was three dollars and twenty three cents in nineteen sixty. Yep. What's this world coming to?" You know, <laughs> and yeah, well, you also look at what you what you made annually, what your annual sal- salary was in nineteen fifty. You know what yep. I mean? And look what yep. the average annual salary of kids coming coming out of college are right now. There's the I would contend there's a difference, and and I, and so it's hard for me when you know if. If Wyoming's being funded by, you know, let's let's call it seventy five percent is non resident funded, whether you know, point fees, fifty dollars for uh, forty dollars for deer, thirty thirty dollars plus incidentals, you know, mm-hmm. um, for antelope and, and, and whatnot. Um I mean that that's significant. You the funding from non residents is significant and 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 I think it should be flip-flopped i think the residents should fund their own state if they're the the ones that are getting all the otc tags and all the opportunity and benefit and 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 not to say that they should pay non-resident fees i just Mm -hmm. i just feel like you should be self-sustaining self-sustaining instead they're making decisions based off of uh you know non-resident contribution and and having real live discussions and they want to do what they want to do and what they fiscally or what they um can do budget wise is two different things right and and so they're careful even though they're making change and change is on the horizon and we're all aware of it and everybody's concerned about it um you know those those changes be more rapid coming if it wasn't uh, how you know how well their state's funded by non-residents so it's interesting there's just so many challenges uh and and uh 
Well, I'm, I'm never going to vote for a $150 resident deer tag. Right. I agree. Because there's not enough serious hunters out there to be able to right. do that. Even though you would pay it, I would pay it, all that other stuff. But to answer what your, what your original question was, I, I think they're too low. They haven't even kept up with inflation. And I remember like 15 years ago, Colorado was going to put their tags on the uh, computer, uh, consumer price index, the CPI. I don't know whatever happened to that idea, but I thought that was a great idea mm. because, you know, as this consumer price index goes up then you know that's supposed to take in you know wage increases and even wage decreases and you know an economy and all that other stuff that goes up and down i thought that was a great way to do it mm-hmm. um but but and 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 I'm, I'm with you they haven't done that with 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 resident tags um i don't have a calculator in front of me i don't have a, what a tag cost in 1980 but i don't think it's kept up you know compared no to but if you, you spend trucks a cool... and boots and right. you know all this other stuff but know, uh, but going buying. back to you going back to what you're saying on non-resident caps is is if we're if it's costing a non-resident to enter your state at five hundred dollars Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that's another reason that they're taking it serious, right? Uh, with the with the hunting license right. and deer mm-hmm. tag fee, and mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm just round numbers. I don't have any notes, yeah, you know. But I'm mm-hmm. just saying that. I mean, that's quite a difference than 25 plus your your hunting license. And so you know, to double it's nothing. I think there's a big difference. I mean, 25 to 150 is quite a percentage wise, a huge huge spread. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, mm-hmm. but whatever. That's one one of the many issues we've covered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So right. it's kind of, I, th- it's I think it could go up, but when the, I'm at the fishing game meetings and there's, you know, some rich guy in the back saying deer license should be 300 bucks for residents. I'm like, dude, you are clueless. Man, yeah. you, what, what about all these little kids? You know, what about, they what are. about these guys? You know, they do just want to get a doe. They do just want to get a two point. What, and, and just like my dad giving that money last night, he's like, I'm not even going to get one. I'm not, I haven't shot one in years. I'm just giving him the money. This is free money. This is like a health club membership that somebody doesn't use. You know, we don't want to price that guy out. He'll still, he'll still give us the money. <laughs> so, well, so, you know, try, it needs to, it and, needs to be graded and, and you know, I'm like applying youth and, and I'm applying me and my entire family in Nevada and it's no joke. You, mm-hmm. you walk away, no joke. You, you walk away with a big hit. And yeah, but you're and, the top 1%. Well, of 1%. no, I'm just we, we I, both are of spenders. Of spenders on hunting. Well, your spendable case, income, we, we spend a lot of our spendable income goes to hunting maybe maybe the majority of it. And you yep. know what I mean? And so I understand yep. that. That's but what we do. I understand that. I understand that, but but it makes you wonder every time. It makes you wonder from a non-resident perspective. Is, and we've talked about it today even is, is uh, you know, you just, it, it, what's, it, what's it worth? Just like you coming to Utah. And so part of that, part of the people's justification is, is well, I get points from general deer. I can draw mm-hmm. a little more regular while waiting for that Henry's deer or something like that. And so I can justify it because it gives me an option. It gives me an option to go hunt. And same thing with non, um, you guys don't have a point system up there in Idaho, but maybe I can justify buying that hunting license because I have this deer tag in my pocket, which gives me an option for me and my two, two of my boys, uh, two, you know, two or three, whatever, depending on the year and, and their scheduling, uh, to be able to go enjoy a hunt together. And so, you know, I justify, and we'll, we'll, we spend that money, um, and, and most likely don't even enter your state. And, uh, you know, but mm-hmm. some of those things mm-hmm. are worth it to me because that's the, our family's time together. And so anyway, like you said, there's that end of the spectrum and then there's the end of the spectrum where, you know, it is too much and, and youth tags should be very cheap. And I would contend, you know, we're, we're, we're set. We don't need to raise their tag fees necessarily. And some of these states are cutting youth a great break, uh, non-resident wise. Oh, a great break. I think. So anyway, all right. Well, awesome stuff. Um, 
Are we going to kill big deer? Are we going to kill big deer like we have been, you know, in past years, Robbie? Mm, you know what, dude? I've kind of, I've kind of quit thinking that way. I just think more like okay, old deer. We're going to kill old deer. I got to get it done. The eight to I nine year old happens. that you're you were talking about that wasn't built just incredible, but was awesome in his own for, right, buddy. That's what we're looking for this year, absolutely. And I'm going to do the same thing as I always do. I'm going to pay a little better attention to the high quality habitat that typically produces better deer um, in the down years. And just because I have a good track record of, of bad winters around here, I kind of know where those places are. I also know places that are they're kind of fringy places that when the deer are doing really well, that you seem to see a lot of bucks there, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of goes away. You know, on the hard winters, I'm not even worried about those places. You know, I'm going to the going to the most productive. What about you? Well, yes, and what you bring up a good point is I think it's important your your local knowledge trumps everything, and you're you're gonna you're gonna hit the ground running versus me coming up to your country. Let's say 300 square miles. I'm I'm roughly in the vicinity that Robbie likes to be in. You're gonna you're gonna do way better than me. You you you're going on last year's knowledge, the year prior, the year prior, the year prior. Even if you didn't hunt it necessarily, you're just out and about, and you're and you. Uh, have contacts and friends and family and whatever else that that you it builds upon your knowledge and your gut feel of where to be and how hard to hit it and and the year to be there or whatever and it might even be specific bucks and it, and it might not be um but i think that i've got one in mind yeah i've got one in mind that was there last year i got a shot at him during archery missed it and I think he's still there. If, if he got killed during rifle, it was by a farmer that didn't have a smartphone because we've never seen it. Um, yeah, I, I, I got one. He's not quite named yet, but um, I got one I'm going after. That's the first one I want to look for. And I think that's important. And I think that's part of part of this game. It's a challenge to be able to hunt the same areas year to year to year, especially non-resident-wise. But mm-hmm. resident-wise, that's a re- you're in a resident area, I'm sure, mm-hmm. over-the-counter general. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, just over-the-counter. Yeah, yeah, so you can build upon that. And I think what I like about that type of scenario, we have it here. Right, we have our general. That's easier for us to draw. Some some general areas are, are way easier than others. And what I like about being able to hunt, uh, and you and you can stagger your family, so at least your family's hunting that area year after year after year. But what I like about that is you're building upon knowledge. You also don't have the um, let's call them teams or guides uh, that are professional pressure. And, yeah, they don't and, want to be there. Right, they don't want to be there because I mean it's general, it's not managed, and they and the clients would come there saying. You know, uh, this isn't managed for big deer like I, I would like to. If I'm going to pay good money, mm-hmm. I want to have a good experience. Mm-hmm. That might be private. Yep. It might be uh, Unit 45 or it might be mm-hmm. whatever, right? And so and so when you don't have that professional pressure, I think, I contend, even though it's not managed like, say, 45 is with such an extreme low number of tags, you can find big deer. They're slipping through the cracks. And that's mm-hmm. your that's what you're saying about the non-resident pressure is it's more of a, of a quote. They're not going to slip through the cracks as easy. No, they're going to try harder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I love that about the general areas. I think sometimes the um, local knowledge, hunting year after year, and not competing against um, – you know, paid clientele, so to speak, uh, because it's general, uh, contributes to the potential of killing something special. Onyx Hunt is the number one GPS hunting app in the industry. And one reason they're leading is because they're continually providing updates to the Onyx Hunt app. Updates like the new Onyx in-navigation suite. From the time you slide into the seat of your vehicle, 
Viewing Onyx Hunt with CarPlay and Android Auto allows you to easily flow from Onyx to the road in front of you, ensuring you know exactly where you are and how to get where you're heading. Want directions to a certain point in the Onyx Hunt app, but don't want to keep glancing at your phone? Use the Navigate To feature to navigate to your saved waypoints. This is true off-road navigation for hunters. You can now use the Onyx Hunt app hands-free and have access to your map markups, public-private boundaries, routing, offline maps, and more. Do it all from the seat of your truck. If you're ready to make the jump, save 20% by using the code ROCKCAST at checkout. Totally does. Still works in this day and age as of 2022. It still works and it's why I don't want to overmanage the deer because it does me no good to have a whole bunch of bucks on the hillside like we did in, right. you know, 04 to 2010 in Colorado and I couldn't get a license. Even on, you know, just, just places that shouldn't have been that great, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't have had that much demand. And, you know, I, it, 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 dude, if I were God and I could, I could manage the West right now, I would put the whole thing on over-the-counter with a non-resident cap and then take a look at the residents, you know, maybe, maybe there, maybe a state has to have a cap just because the resident population is growing so good and leave it alone for 10 years. Yeah. I think we'd be growing giants. I think that a lot of people would still be happy and you, you, this whole thing about taking advantage of local knowledge, dude, it does me no good to have local knowledge of a unit. And I can't go back. I know one of the best units in Colorado, like the back of my hand, dude. I had so many licenses there before Point Creep got it. Um, you know, I can show you which bush they're laying under. I don't even think about that place, dude. I'll never get to go back. I can't even get a landowner tag there. Yeah. They're in such high demand. Yeah. And, 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 dude, it's no better hunting than it was in 06. You know, it yeah. might be a little worse because of some of these things that you're talking about, you know, really focused hunters and the, the guides and the outfitters want to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, so that, that's why you know, and I'm, and I'm on the other extreme. I get it. I'm not even saying it's the right way to do it, but, but that's the problem with overmanaging the deer is, is people start to overcare about these, about these areas. And you've said it before, I've heard it on your podcast, you know, these draw units draw the, they, they pull in the best hunters and the best guides and dude, there ain't a big mule there out there that can get away from that. You know, you put, mm-hmm. you put 20 guys out on a unit looking for deer, uh, they're going to find them. They're going to find them. And, Which and, is, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not even against that. I'm just saying if we're managing for that, let's not be surprised and we never get to go hunt there. And if we do, we're going to come back with a sour taste in our mouth. Like, man, we can't keep up with that outfit or how can we do that? Yeah. Which is why in large part, a lot of guys are saying, well, should we limit, um, you know, weapon, how effective we are with weapons? Should we just take away, there you go. should we just take away range finders? If you there took you away go. range finders, you've hurt archery muzzle and rifle it, it, maybe equally and, yep. and, you know and so now you've got a really and then everybody would say well it's unethical because there's gonna be so much wounded game and everybody's gonna you know so i mean you just can't win right but but no, i mean yeah, i'm just but, still, but that, that's you could tear that argument apart in a in a heart right and but i think you're because those laser range finders have got people shooting further yeah. Than, than they would have been. But I think too. your management. I don't think it's a, it, yeah, I don't think you could make a strong argument I think for that. My, myself. Is what? You couldn't make it, you couldn't make an argument for. The, 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 the taking away range finders would be more unethical, more unethical because now people are going to wound more game. No, well, put a range are... finder in a guy's hand. He's more likely to take a shot at 60 or 70 or 80 yards with his bow, two, 220 with his muzzle loader, 800 yeah, with his rifle. Right, right. You take but, that range finder away. Okay. Now but he's to judge, but how many times, shots. right. But how many times. Times and I, uh, you know, does does a guy say, I didn't have time to range it. I I, I aimed for 35. It was 43. 
or I aimed for 35 and he was 28 and and they didn't get him right. So there's going to be no matter what you say. I mean that's you know, there's both sides of the argument, but that's why those discussions are being made. You know, is mm-hmm. well we right. want to give more tags, we want to give more tags. And so how do we limit success because we're too effective? Like, So you either say, like, we've had discussions where, okay, when you're issued a tag, that that authorizes you to kill a deer. Go hunt for 365 days and you get one deer. And there's going to be a 100% kill rate. And, you know, I mean, that's uh, – and so there's – people are like, well, if we do that, then we can't give very many tags. And so, well, well how do we limit your success? Or how – we're too successful. We're too smart. We're spending too much time. We have the trucks that can drive 150 miles without thinking about it morning and night, maybe multiple times. I mean, all of those things. And so, anyway, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. No, and your, you, your over-the-counter idea may work in a place like Idaho or, say um, – Wyoming, where your your residents are somewhat limited in number, um, and there's a lot of wild, crazy. There's Idaho has some of the most crazy, inhospitable uh, wilderness country ever built, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know it, it's so you know it, it works. It's it's working. It's working to a degree in Wyoming. We got a lot large part of the state that's general over the counter. Uh, for resident elk, and they're like you said, they're over objective. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, right, and places, they're killing yeah. big bulls. Can't kill enough of them, right? Mm-hmm. And, same yeah. thing with what you're talking about in Idaho. Same thing, and uh, and the, and they're still under a general o- o- OTC for for deer on residents and. Jeez, you and I yeah. want to go. You and I want to go to Region G and H. We still want to yeah, go there. I was going to say, dude, as much as people complain about it, you and I would be there tomorrow. We still, and one of us would probably kill a big deer this year if we both had a tag. And still, I'm hoping I get a tag. Good I'm, I'm hoping I get a tag. How about that? And I wasn't. I was convinced you go south on a year like this, and not so convinced. I'm thinking it's going to be all right. And so we'll see. We'll see if I get a tag. But it's one of those. I think things. the bucks you're looking for will still be there in at least some number. Yeah. Because because this is the other thing too, and I think we talked about this earlier, dude. We had good recruitment coming up through the age classes until this winter came, dude. There was a lot of two, three, four year old bucks running around the last couple of years. It wasn't back to pre sixteen yet. But, you know, I'm talking Intermountain West, you know, Idaho, Wyoming, um, you know, some of the southern Montana stuff, you know, kind of my circle here, uh, maybe northern Utah. Sure. Dude, they're, those those bucks should have should have carried over pretty good. They may be in a little rough shape this year, but mm-hmm. but but no, you wait another couple of years, they may not even be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. But yeah. But so it's the working. technology thing, I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, um, because I don't know in Utah if it's at the rack level yet, but you guys are having like, you have a technology board or something oh, down there? Oh, yeah. There's a technology committee and they. Committee. That's what it is. They came out with some recommendations. Um, you know, uh, you can argue that they didn't come out with aggressive enough, uh, uh, enough recommendations because it's been reviewed by them for quite some time. Um, but. Uh, my heart goes out to them a little bit. You, you're going to take some major grief no matter what because it's so – everybody's so passionate about the thing they like. They're, it was obvious it came out. It was so passionate that people love the Garmin digital bow sight. People, yeah. They spent $1,200, and now I can't use it. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. saying what's best for deer. They're not thinking what's best for elk. No. They're just saying no. – and they're coming up with an argument saying – well, I get to use rangefinders, and I have a sight. We combine them into one, and that's the problem. And so, you know, so they're spinning it however they want because they 
are passionate about it and that's okay they they have their vote and they're passionate about it and so it's it's hard to say uh, we don't want scoped muzzleloaders well there's a lot of people that like them there's a lot of people that bought mu- scopes just for their muzzleloader and have a great system that shoots 500 yards robbie i, sh- I shot a dong of freaking 750 and it mm-hmm. shoots really good and and, yep. and so well what's what's too far what's what what where have we gone too far well i don't know that's up to interpretation your answer would be different than mine probably and and i don't know i don't know jason if somebody said hey man do you want to hunt every year and have a chance at a big buck or do you want to continue down the road that we're on where you know let uh, worse draws less tags uh, so I want to hunt every year. Less bucks. I want to hunt a big you, deer every year. W- w- then what are you going to give up? I'm going to give up said, technology. Yeah. Me too. Me yeah. too. Every I'd, time. I'd, every I'd, time. I'd hand them my rangefinder. But say, here uh, you but, go. But I'm I'm the first guy that if it if 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 they said a lot of a lot of contention is well you know you don't you can still use open sights if you want Jason. And well, yeah, but it allows for a turreted scope, and I'm, I'm good with that. I'm not going to handicap myself. <laughs> right. I'm going to go as best as right. I can. You know what? It, right. Whatever it is. I mean, I you know, dude, I use trail cameras, man. I mean, I right. fly if I can. Right. Uh, you know, horses, motorbikes. You know, what? I'm mean, not a long range rifle shooter because I'm kind of a crappy shot. Electric you know, I can bike. Couple, uh, whatever. Electric like, bike. Everything's yeah, on yeah. the table. Let's let's see. Absolutely, what, what can we man. Use? Everything. And but if this if tax that was now an easy five. Way to call it, this this tag's now limited number. It's five hundred dollars. It's hard to get. I'm lucky to have gotten it. It took me four years to draw it, ten years to draw it, twenty years to draw it. I'm going to do everything mm-hmm. I can to have the experience in my life. Mm-hmm. A- and versus like what you were saying is as well. If it was OTC, it would just we would just want to go and have experiences. And mm-hmm. once in a while we'd smash a big one, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and because because not everybody was putting everything into it. And so, but we don't live in that day and age. We live in this nope. day and age. So what it's are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, I know it. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But I would. I would give up some technology for it. I really would. I'd hunt with a four power scope. I'd you know whatever what, whatever it took to to get it to where we didn't just have to look at more license number caps. That that's what I that's what I would be. Looking well, there's at. people that contend you know? that it's it's not fair to use a cow call because we're imitating sexual sounds and and you know when they're vulnerable in the rut. And I mean, you're just like man. Yeah, I mean because yeah, they're so. I get it against change they're so against change I, so I they're going to take it to the other end of the spectrum and and kind of be unrealistic you know yeah, but that's just unrealistic people if you take and this no. is this is i put it in my second book i'm this is why i'm not against long-range hunting i have not seen any data that says that it's impacting harvest at an appreciable level yeah you and i both know people that got 200 inch bucks at 800 yards at 10 years ago they wouldn't have got them. Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know, 10 years ago, there was other ways to get 200 inch bucks and you could hunt better units. And so is it is it is it appreciably having an effect? Would it make a difference if it doesn't make a difference? No, man, I'm a red blooded American. Don't take it away. I want that freedom. I want I want that range finder. I, it's OK that my buddy hunts with an 800 yard gun. It's fine. Even though I don't, it's fine. I want that freedom. But if somebody can show me that we can have better hunting by limiting that stuff, so, you know, the data there, this is what it shows us. Man, I would be all for it. I really would do it. But and, you're, and that's why but when the guys that are throwing out saying, oh, the cow called, what difference is that? Is it, if it makes a difference, then let's do it. Right. But you're a, but you're a human. You feel more effective with a turreted scope muzzleloader. You know you are. Mm-hmm. I think you know you are. And so no matter what statistics can be drawn, no matter what conclusions can be drawn by statistical kill data, you know. You already know the answer. You know we're more effective with turreted scopes. You know we're more effective with tripods 
and 15 power binos. Right. But if we've limited life, like Utah is doing 74,000 deer licenses right now, and they used to do 150,000, 200,000. So are, are we shooting the same number of deer with better equipment? Um, is, is, a, is a range finder, um, is, it, is it appreciably making a difference? I'm not saying it is or it isn't. But if there was hard data, how could you or, uh, argue against that? Idaho, the I remember 10 years ago, can... dude, I, I broke up a fight at, a fishing, at the fishing game because the fishing game was taking away inline muzzleloaders in Idaho. And uh, they kind of brought them back a little bit, but you still have to use a conical. They're so pretty tough. Or, you know, prior to that, it was sabots. It was everything but a scope. And people went out and bought those guns just like they did with the Garmin sites. You guys spent five, six $600. You know, in, in 2008, that was like spending $1,200. But fishing game took it. And, dude, look at, look at Idaho's muzzleloader odds. They're, they're still pretty dang good. They've held up well because, because of that limit in technology. And I, because guys and are that, like, I don't want to mess with that. And I, I like that because it makes it to where you really have to want to muzzleloader hunt to apply for mm-hmm. it. Because not everybody, every every single person can pick up a muzzleloader with a scope and, and shoot with it. And, yeah. and so it makes it another rifle season. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I want better drawing odds and I'm willing to hunt with an open sight, loose powder, get all the restrictions, non-sabbated, mm-hmm. whatever, get all the restrictions, maybe, maybe not flintlock. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a limit where I'm yeah, like, nah, I'm not, a, that far. I don't really want to go that far, but I mean, might. I don't know that I really want to, uh, but but anyway, there's there's those those kind of things. I think also the reason you can't you're not seeing the data you to back your claim is because there's so many other variables that that come into play when you're talking 150,000 deer. You're talking about whatever we're talking about different times when guys would sit in the backs of trucks, legal or not, ethical or not, whatever. Mm-hmm. They were in the backs of trucks with two dozen arrows, having the time of their life with bucks, bucks, bucks. They were everywhere, Robbie. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they, they killed one eventually, Robbie. They killed one, and the statistics won't back your claim. And that's the same. It's, and so there's you, you, you don't have – your statistics aren't taken from a controlled environment with exact variables all the way around with no, the exception we're not looking for of them. the method of take or the tool used. Yeah, they're not being studied. You they, can't. Exactly. You can't yeah. because there's – there's populations there's uh, population comes into effect when when dictating success mm-hmm. season dates come into effect when when analyzing success rates and so we had season dates back in in early 90s late 80s here in Utah with general deer that were in the rut November mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and now we don't and so you know there's there's so but but maybe you could contend that we're still successful well, but we're not. I'm in the rut. So there's you got to have everything to be exactly the same to realize that this is the value of a turreted scope and this is the value of open sights, and and the difference in success. But you as a human feel more successful with those tools, with a refined tool like that, a new age technology, you know. And that tells you what you need to know. That tells you that um, if you want to be less, less successful, you might want to address that. That's all, you know. Yeah, and so what you're saying is is even if even even if we can't prove it, we know it. You know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it. You you were they were su- super successful with thirty thirties because there was box 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 That's everywhere. <laughs> yep, you know what I mean? Right. And so mm-hmm. and guys 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 would knock down thirty inches. It was nothing. You know, in in why they weren't they weren't glassing. They didn't even they didn't even have in the bottom of the barrel glass that we have nowadays. You know what it means? Shooting them on the foothill, right yeah. here with inside of my house. Yeah, they were. It was just fun, right? They're road hunting, having a having a great time, 
And so, yeah. yeah, there's so many different variables. You just, But you know as a human, you just know. You know. We don't have to put numbers to it. But anyway, change is hard. And, and I, don't, I don't necessarily want to change. I want to go back to, you know, you, you and I, when you were talking about your 230-incher and, and my 230-bucker or whatever, right? I want to go back to those times. I'm trying, I'm trying to recreate. We had a, the, my biggest deer in Arizona. Uh, Adam and I were down there. We worked hard. It was a. It was what we you what you don't want. What you and I I don't want. It was my once in a lifetime draw tag north mm-hmm. of the Grand Canyon, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was my one chance to kill a giant Arizona deer. And we went out there. We hunted the rut with a rifle. We were the only ones out there. It was kind of. Uh, uh, you could call it undiscovered. It just wasn't talked about. It was a area that was maybe let's call it overlooked. Although people, the, mm-hmm. the locals knew there was big deer. Just, but there was lots of yep. there was big deer other areas, and so every it unit has yeah that right. So, and you could go in e- easier parts of the unit with that that particular time frame, and go see bucks everywhere, and and you know wintering Ponsagant bucks inside Arizona, and, as well as Kaibab bucks running, and so. Anyway, you could go anywhere and everywhere with 75 tags. You just didn't, we just didn't have any people. And so it was us against the deer in the rut. Just the I, way we want it. Just the way you want it. And, and, and incredible genetics and age class like crazy, uh, you know, weren't, weren't super effective, uh, you know, so to speak now compared to nowadays, um, I, I feel like. But maybe it was like, maybe it's just the emphasis. Maybe it was just the emphasis because we were killing a few really good deer and Colorado was really good. And so it was just, you know, it was 200 inch deer. People were seeing them somewhat regular in Colorado, which kind of made it uh, just the emphasis with blast or whatever compared to nowadays. But anyway, down uh, in enjoying that hunt and hunted him, found him. Uh, Adam, Gla- Adam actually had him uh, come running by him chasing a dog. On video. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I videoed him. From, uh, actually, I think he videoed him the next day from a little a little tiny butte. Uh, very tough to glass this particular area. Anyway, ended up getting lucky. I went around, uh, you know, we were on buttes, kind of facing each other, and this deer came out on on my side from, from being bedded all day long. And, and I hammered him at 300 yards. And I didn't mm-hmm. even really know what i had i didn't even mm-hmm. really know i just knew he was a giant just like you would know just you just know like this is one of those you know once in a lifetime special deer i don't know if he's 215 or if he's 220 or or heaven forbid or 275 yeah he ends up at 275 right but you just don't anyway and and to walk up on him and then just the sheer awe shock and awe for out of respect for the animal and 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 uh being able to experience that once in your life well and and you and we always say that ah, i'll never top that and, and whatnot and, it, and if you truly felt like you could never top it you know i still want to experience lots of harvests and you call them kills mm-hmm. i'd still want to experience all of that and put my hands on as many big deer as you can because they're all different and you want them all but um trying to recreate that experience robbie like i i, I try that and i've and i've gone without killing a lot and because mm-hmm. you want what if i harvest right now and i kill this uh 195 inch or whatever it is and uh, 185 95 200 even you're not going to walk up and be breathless mm-hmm. and and when you are breathless 
uh, out of respect and just sheer wow like look at this animal you know the genetic potential the the age how did he make it where did he live i want to know everything about him i want his spike sheds if he had them i want his forky sheds i want his three by two sheds i want everything about this deer i want to know everything about him and and so how do we recreate that in this day and age you know and and you just keep trying, right? Just like you're doing. Right. Just like you're doing. That's you. We wake up today. You were thinking about deer. Yesterday, you're thinking about deer. The day before, mm-hmm. you were thinking about deer. You're not doing that necessarily for 150 bucks, like those we, you know, or or quote a meat buck. It's you're laying awake at night, just going, wow. I just want to see. I want to see that kind of deer on the horizon, walking away from me, and just breathless. You know what I mean? Out of respect and wow, how special is that? you know it's a it's a once in many lifetimes buck and i and and i don't want to burst your bubble it'll never happen again i know but I know. we're gonna look for experiences that bring us that same emotion and that same satisfaction and 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 and, and that same excitement and you know here you are like you know 15 16 years later just, yeah just as passionate about it more more, more. robbie know? robbie i'm hunting more than i've ever hunted i'm hunting i feel like i feel like um and you can you can chime in on this. You, you, you've been there. I feel like I get too many tags every single year to do the tags I have justice. I would, mm-hmm. I was better off when I was, uh, I have two nickels to rub together, but I had some time and, and the one or two tags I got, I spent crazy time on, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and I was yep. more effective cause it was a do or die. I didn't have backup plans. Now I'm like, well, if this hunt's not so good, I got that Idaho TC tag. If this, that hunt's not so good, I'm going to roll into Colorado third. And if that hunt's not so good, I've got a late archery in New Mexico. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, and, 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 and yeah. anyway, the uh, hard part about that though, is, you know, I've tried to, I've tried to cut it back too, but you can't just have one tag a year. You can do a great, you can do a great job hunt every single day of a 14 day season. That doesn't mean anything. You may not get one. Probably got to have one. more opportunity than that. And, you know, I've always had to hunt 25 to 40 days to kill a big buck, you know, open season days. Yeah. And, you know, I'm hunting at least that much now. And, uh, but, but I always walk that line between having too much that, that I don't give it a good focus and then not having enough that, that the season ends and man, I didn't tag out. And yet there's still seasons open in the West that I could go to. That's to me, that's the art of the deal right now. Trying to figure out, trying to figure out how to do that. Because the other thing too, dude, I get tired, you know, I, I get, get wound down towards the end of the season. I get burned out and then I'm not hunting as well, you know, and I've recognized that in the past. And I'm like, I would have been better off to be off a couple of weeks than I am out here just going through the motions. And well, so I have to always, always kind of think about that stuff. And I feel like too. So I, 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 I harvested a deer in Colorado, okay, mm-hmm. and and uh, is a 206 buck just oozing with, uh, you know, mass and kind of like that candle wax around the beams, just just kind of drippy, mm-hmm. you know, just, mm-hmm. and and um, I, I didn't even go, Robbie, until a Wednesday. I didn't even go until a Wednesday had been open, what, three or four days by then, and, mm-hmm. um, and I harvested. Five days? Yeah, well, I just couldn't make it. I I can't remember the circumstances, but I was like, I just got to tell myself the you last were off five on another tag, right, or whatever, right. And so I'm like, <laughs> I got to tell myself the last five days are the best five days, or the last seven days, or the last whatever it is, whatever season you're out, you're hunting. You know, the last five are the best five. A, people are going home. B, they're start they're even going to be deeper in the rut. C, there might even be more potential for inclement weather, which helps us in Colorado. And so I'm I'm telling myself that, and that Wednesday. You know, I, I basically drive up on the deer accidentally, 
and he's mm-hmm. running and he's and he's and I video him for 19 minutes 120 mm-hmm. yards or whatever trying to decide mm-hmm. if he, if I should shoot him because I can't <laughs> judge him that he's too close like have you ever been like too close like if he's 400 I I'm pretty good at judging him mm-hmm. but if he's 100 or 80 I, I mean, yes. I, I struggle. Yeah, all the like, man, is he is he bigger than I think? Yeah, or is he smaller? Is he smaller? Than I, think? I was close? thinking he was yeah, smaller. Exactly. Yeah, yeah right. like uh, you know, and I'm like, and not that I, not that I, not that I. <laughs> I mean, a lot of guys would be like, just shoot him. Like, what do you mean? You you know, no, well, I, I just remember I, this is my, my fourth hour into the hunt for me. Mm-hmm. I've got mm-hmm. the rest of the day, the rest of the days and the rest of the season to hunt. And each day is going to get better. And so I'm in my mind saying, well, I can smash him right now. And, but then I'm, it's over with, and I'm giving up maybe that potential, you know, breathless <laughs> potential mm-hmm. of, of walking up to a mm-hmm. 220 mm-hmm. or something. And, mm-hmm. and maybe this is a good year on a good unit or maybe whatever. No, it turns out we didn't see anything better. And, and Adam, yeah. Adam had a tag. And, shot him. Yeah. Adam had it. Oh, and I'm ecstatic. Once I walked up to him, Robbie, I was like, what, what, what were you doing videoing? Like you're mm-hmm. stupid because he was, he, I was ecstatic. I, I, it wasn't that I shot him and was disappointed. I was ecstatic. He mm-hmm. just had, just had the look, right? And it didn't matter that he wasn't, wasn't 270 or 230 or whatever. It didn't mm-hmm. matter. He, I was ecstatic with him because he was the way he was built and everything about him, his body's huge, just prime of his life. Uh, it was just ecstatic. Like, I'm just like, wow, you know, this whole experience, like this is why I didn't have to scout all summer. I didn't have to scout. I didn't have to go hunt 25, 40 days. Robbie, mm-hmm. you're a better hunter than I am. I'm spending more than 40, I'll bet. I, 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 and I'm, and yeah, but I, I'm not shooting 200. Well, you, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I even feel like I'll spend 40 days and not even see a, a 190 or a 185 plus. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's happened to me too. Yeah. And so then I'm like, but then this one was such a gift, you know? Mm-hmm. It was such a gift. And, and, you can't discount the gifts. Sometimes mm-hmm. good things happen to you, you know, mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and it had nothing to do with me. And it had everything to do with a, a good friend of mine, you know, Brady Dixon knows the area. And he gave me um, a, a good handful of areas that he knows have potential, right? That he's, that you know, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. uh, Jason, go check these out. Like, you know, this will get you started. And, and, uh, you know, so having good friends with some local knowledge and then having the right dates and the right year and, and the right day and the right time that I happened. I mean, I had side by side driving above me and I'm in this draw, real choked in draw that's got great feed. And these side by sides, I'm like, you know, the reason why I decided to shoot him, I was like, would I be sad if a guy shot over me right here and hammered this deer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be right. disgusted. And so, uh, uh, okay, what are you doing? You're, you know, you know. And uh, so, anyway, just I think it's um, it goes into when do you put forty days into it, and when do you plan on getting lucky? And I use Colorado to get lucky, you know, because we got those uh-huh. late season dates, and you probably do too. And th- although you have some local knowledge in some of the units, like like I do, you're mm-hmm. really spending all your time up there in your backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, not quite, not quite, but almost. That's that's where (laughs) that's where I put most of my focus. But yeah, I've hunted all these states around me. Usually have one out of out of state tag a year. For me, a good a good a good year 
is to have a tag that allows me to take advantage of the archery season, you know, late August into mid-September when they're kind of vulnerable and take advantage of your summer scouting. And then if it's an Idaho tag and I can actually go back to that place, it's even better. I mean, that because before they know, move, sometimes before they changes. run, is that yeah, what before they run, like October 15, October 20. Yeah, but even like that buck I missed last year, he wasn't there during the rifle season. That that place is just the way it is. They, they they get out in the real open stuff for for archery, and after that they can go anywhere. And there's actually quite a bit of rifle pressure in there. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, just during the archery, they they there's just not it's it's a it's not a draw tag is why mm-hmm. <laughs> you know nobody right. cares. You know they're all over on the other unit. You know with their their four buddies that all took the morning off of work to help them glass. And um, but but anyways, that, that's ideal. Have that. I don't care if that's Utah. Idaho, uh, Colorado, uh, Wyoming, if, if I could just have that week or two right in there and take advantage of that. And then, then the next one is, you know, kind of those early October, I, Idaho opens on October 10th, most years. Um, if I can have a tag that allows me to hunt during that time and it's fine if it's in Wyoming, I mean, it, but, but you can still take advantage of some of your summer scouting. And so, yeah. so I like that. And, you know, most of the time it doesn't pay off, but when it has, like you called it a gift, sometimes you get a gift, sometimes you grind it out 30 days and you actually kill the buck that you were after. And then, Dude, I don't even really care after the middle of October unless it's snowing, because um, usually I'm so tired by then. I've been on two or three big hunts, you yeah. know, and 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 then you know, hunting season always starts right after scouting season, so I'm kind of tired from that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, even though scouting's fun and all that other stuff, it's like, man, I haven't seen mom. I haven't seen the kids. Yeah. Who's this big? Who's this big guy? You're not human. House? You're not human if you don't get tired. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and miss home or miss some of those niceties, you know, some of those things yeah. in life that, that you should miss. You and know? I used to try to power through it. And then, and then, you know, my dad was the one that called me out on, he's like, you're so freaking grouchy. Why do you even go deer hunting? I'd hate deer hunting if I was you. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I need to rest. So I've kind of learned that kind of mid to late October, unless it's snowing, um, uh, you know, that's some tough conditions. And, and, and usually I, I just take a break then, but then I try to make sure I have something going on first of November to middle of November. It's hard to get tags then, yeah. you know, but something going on so that I can be out there then. And to me, that's an ideal season, you know, a week or two in September, a week or so in early October, you know, maybe a few days in later October, if, if I'm getting some snow and some good conditions. And, um, uh, and then, you know, just just to be able to sample the rut somewhere it doesn't have to be hardcore rut in fact this whole thing with colorado we should talk about this is um they've pushed it to these late dates and colorado saying it's because they want to limit the spread of cwd um uh and you know i had brandon diamond on the podcast i had toby boudreau, yeah. boudreau from idaho brandon's from from uh colorado brandon's you know that good but, guy. but yeah. you know i pushed him on that like okay if we're gonna try this these late seasons to limit the spread of cwd because their whole hypothesis theory at best i think is that these they're all these big bucks spread cwd more because they travel but i'm like okay but let's give it a try but if it doesn't result in that if 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 we're not limiting the spread of cwd then let's not kill off all of our age class of bucks because the other thing too none of them been able to answer this is the young bucks travel too Dude, I see little bucks chasing does and on this canyon, and the next day, oh my gosh, there's that buck. He's clear over there. Look well, that. they're getting a, like a they're getting a yeah. taste of it, and they're yeah, they're not they're not stupid. I mean, they're right. they're getting a taste of it, and they're going to exactly. walk for a minute. Exactly. And yeah. so, if we're going to go kill off all our age class of bucks, I mean, how how far down the age class do you got to go to limit CWD? 
and, and the reason I'm putting that in there is because right now, yeah, there's some great opportunities to hunt, you know, November 1st through, you know, roughly 15th to 18th in Colorado and, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and be able to get a tag. And so, of course, I'm going to take advantage. Of course, I'm going to. Well, do I like miss it. I like I that you away. I like that you admitted and I'm just teasing you. But I like that you admitted that you don't want them to give too many tags, that you want them no. to limit tags. You know no, what I mean? I, I, I don't want to give such late dates. I want to give the same amount of tags with earlier dates. Yeah. That makes sense. I want to give her the same amount of that tags. That makes sense. But just let it go to November 7th or 8th. It's good enough then. I mean, let us taste, let us taste, the, let us taste the rut, but, but exactly. not, but, but let them, let them breed with without yeah. interference so to speak yeah yeah and if you want to keep the fourth season great give five tags well know? and yeah, i think they're a... they're considering it there's some they're open for you know suggestions right now and they're they're obviously considering some things i think large part in colorado and they've been able to get away with it uh for a number of reasons but they manage elk and deer together and so you're you end up they want later elk dates they they the revenue comes off of elk you know, otc tags and whatnot and so you know, to keep them together. If we're going to go later, I mean, you just take them both later, right? Because you can you can hunt deer and elk at the same time frame. But then, to those... me, that's a cop out. That's a cop out. That's right. I, I think that's, that's a right. huge cop out. Right. You can still have a late elk hunt, and you can still have an earlier deer hunt. Right. Idaho went down that road years ago with mm-hmm. the flip flop for our deer and elk season. Right. I think it's one reason Idaho has been able to maintain. Could you, know, you imagine? Decent buck to do. Could you imagine if you had early season dates in Colorado with the with the the forested country and the escapement that there would be if you you know what i mean i mean it's crazy the, the, when they come down on the winter range they're vulnerable and that's what i like and that's what you like and i love rutting deer but that's not healthy management it's not it's not sustainable it's for not. older age class bucks long term and i'm not even just talking for the done. trophy hunters but i'm talking about let's maintain this this 25 to 35 buck to doe ratio that a lot of colorado has they've had it for years unless it's just a low low year a lot of those units can do that let's mm-hmm. let's maintain that and, and let it have a little bit of an age class you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm all for i'm all for that and that's why the late dates i you know i kind of threw that in the middle of my buck story there that i'm taking advantage of that right now but i'm hoping it goes away and goes back to the more traditional third season open, you know, late October into the, you know, maybe fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth of November. On once, once in a while, it rotates to the 10th. And you know, then we give stuff. the special fourth for guys that are really willing to wait two decades or two and a half decades to, and very limited in tag numbers to let them have an, uh, a once in a lifetime experience. Right. Yeah. If they if they want to do it, yeah, go ahead. But yeah. keep it low. Keep keep sure. keep, keep it low. It's sure. kind of at that level of like it doesn't even matter if we have this season, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a top end two or buck will get killed, but it depends on who draws those ten tags. Right. You know how that is. Depends dude. on the weather. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sometimes you can't get around. You know, yeah. when we have normal winters, we haven't had normal winters. When you have normal winters. It's freaking cold, man. It's cold mm-hmm. and it snows deep and it's crusted and it's somewhat hard to get around. And yep. uh, you know, that's when the jeeps come out. Texas, and uh, you know, for all the elk hunters, yeah. cow hunters, whatever, it's amazing what what kind of equipment those guys have in it, and they look forward to it. It's a good time for them. But anyway, uh, yeah, the weather it make, makes a big difference, and we just haven't had it. It's been like you said, sixty-five degrees some years. You know? Yeah, 2021, dude. I was on a great unit, third season, bucks going crazy. I had about an hour in the morning to hunt them. Mm-hmm. After that, they were in the cover. And um, it was, and, and I was glad because there's people everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, all these guys are packing around long-range rifles. There's a sniper on every ridge, mm-hmm. and there's freaking nice bucks running around, running around out here in the sagebrush, man. Get in the trees, you guys. Get in the trees, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't want – I really don't want to see that continue, Jason, because, you know, I know that that that, that – that, that that's 
that's just too much pressure. I think even to have nice bucks around, that's too much pressure. I'm not even talking the giants, you know, I don't. So, and I guess that's my point. I I guess that was my point about trying to get back to the days that we remember. Try, try, and it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be exact, exactly like it was in 04, 05, and 06. It doesn't have to be exactly, but. If we there you go i would i would too i would yep. too but yep. but uh it, it's interesting i mean it, it's interesting and and so with these late season dates you're right they need to figure out how to cut cut tax just like new mexico they had the youth hunt and unit 2b rifle and you know for the most part it was early season it was it, the the deer weren't as nearly as vulnerable and whatnot and then they kicked it to the end of november left the tag numbers you know, I think it was 150, mm-hmm. and and left the tag numbers, just left them. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> they smashed some great That's bucks, a lot of them, and <laughs> yep. and it became a youth trophy hunt instead of just a youth hunt to get them out to enjoy hunting. And and youth aren't by nature trophy hunters yet; they're just enjoying the whole experience and and want to, you know, I mean, just getting their scope on a learning how to point and aim and shoot and, and prepare and glass and all of those things come into uh, effect with the youth hunt but this became a trophy hunt uh you know and it was hard on deer and so yeah, i don't, I don't if you're gonna like have late season mentality. dates you can't have unlimited tags or large quantities of tags or whatever just like what you're saying 100 100 percent agree with that so well cool man well hey bro we've gone two and a half hours can you believe it no Gosh, <laughs> I go so another two and a half. About. I could go another two. I know two I could too, dude. Dude, I know a lot of guys came to this podcast though to hear a buck hunting story, and I didn't prep you on this, dude. But can can I'll tell one of my last big buck, and you tell one of your last big buck if you haven't already okay. told it. If so, you can jump back. You want to go first? Uh, why don't you go first? Since uh, all right, why I'll don't do you it. go first? Since you've you, you've prepped and I didn't. Okay, you you can be right. thinking about one. So, the my, mine goes back to 2020 and uh, and through last year. I went through a, a bad slump, and some of it was my fault, just my, my, my poor shooting ability, especially with archery equipment. I had some chances at a couple of big bucks, uh, wounded one, uh, just nicked another one. You know, these these, these were top-end bucks for, for what I'm looking for. Um, and had uh, – those were just – you know, regular tags, you know, a lot of scouting went into them, um, but they would have been great to, to, to tag either of those bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- but then in 2020, I drew a great rifle tag, probably one of Idaho's top three tags. I couldn't believe it. And, um, I, I rearranged my schedule. You couldn't really scout for it. It, it, it opened on October 10th, but that's just when the general season is. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these late hunts are on general season units. It was one of those kind of units that ran until November 30th. And just just living here my whole life, having local knowledge, I knew it wasn't going to get real good till after November 15th anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't scout um, hardly at all until about the 1st of November. And, um, and then I had a Colorado tag that year too. And uh, that was the first year Colorado rotated late. I think uh, 2020, we opened third season on like the 7th, mm-hmm. and it went through roughly the 13th. Right. And so I was like, man, I, I can't miss that. And I already kind of know Idaho is not going to really turn on till after November 15th anyways. These deer need to migrate. They need to get into the mid-range. Uh, not quite on the winter range. They don't really hit the winter range until December, but they, you know, they'll get down onto the fingers that are, you know, a thousand feet above the winter range. You can 
you can access it, you can glass it, you can cover a lot of country, so you can you can you can have a chance to find a good buck. So so I thought I'll get back to Idaho. I'll go on this Colorado hunt. Um, uh, this is when I went uh, I went with Travis that year, and uh, he shot a good buck, dude, a nine year old buck, which is an incredibly old buck by today's standards. And um, we hunted the whole season, and we got down to the last day. Travis had told me, hey, dude, down off this finger. Everybody's riding this road right here. He says when you get off of that finger, he said it's it's like a new unit. There's nobody down there. He says I walked through there yesterday. That's where I tracked that buck, or I think it was the day before that. Mm -hmm. And he said I didn't even see a boot track in there. He goes, you should go in there. There's does in there. It's going to be November 13th. You know everything's rutting right now. Mm -hmm. So he dropped me off on that road. I walked down off of that ridge and uh, got down in there. Got on, got on some deer tracks. The snow was deep enough. You couldn't track individual deer. So I'm kind of tracking, you know, herds of deer and, you know, here's three deer here. What's this? Come over a little rise, dude. Here's a bunch of deer bedded down. And uh, it took me about 10 minutes to, to see through the timber and what I was looking at. And it was a doe laying down. And I thought, man, there's gotta be a buck in there. And the wind changed a little bit. And one of those does winded me and she didn't bust out of there. She just got up and got all nervous and all the other deer started getting, getting up. And all of a sudden I saw a new deer. And I could only see the right side of his rack. And yeah, he wasn't a giant dude. He was probably a 180s type buck, 27, 28 inch wide. But it is the last day. And, you know, just a good looking buck. Couldn't get a shot at him. Had to wait a few minutes. And he finally turned. And I saw just a glimpse of his other antler too. And he had a little bit of a short main beam. Like this buck probably only had 21 inch main beams. But dude, everything else was there. Good backs, you know, decent mass, probably five inches at the base. Yeah, a few little kickers here and there. Mm -hmm. 135 yards dude i missed him i freaking missed him and i shot off my knee i i mean i missed him clean i still don't know what happened so i come home i'm like it's okay i got idaho you know how it is jason you just Mm. move all your energy to the next hunt you know the next one's gonna be the one (laughs) dude i come to idaho dude i hunted that out of that 15 days i hunted about 12 of them um and dude looked at a lot of bucks Jason, I just, I never saw a buck over about 170. And, you know, if you go back to 2020 and with what, while it happened in 2016 and 17 with those bad winters, you know, those would have been our four and five-year-old bucks. And um, they're just, their age class just wasn't there. It was just a bummer, you know, to, yeah. to, 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 to hang up one of the best tags in Idaho and just, just not even really have saw one to go after. Yeah. But that, that's how it was. And then in 21, 22 is when I missed those other bucks. And then I hunted uh you know just a general october season waited for the snow dude i'm getting down to the end of october last year i'm like my gosh dude i got like 90 to 110 days of hunting here and i have not killed a deer now some of it's my fault i've missed three bucks but dude dude, just a downer just a downer like wow and dude plus i'm tired i hate the ones the ones that get away are hard on a guy you know what I mean? Especially when they're your fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You've done – how much work goes into them, and then when it come time to make it happen, you didn't. <sighs> you didn't make it happen. <laughs> well, dude, 100 days. 100 days wasted. Wasted. And so – I've got one more hunt last year. That's that third season hunt I was talking about. And, um, you know, Travis is blowing up my phone at the end of October. You know, he's all rested up, ready to go, dude. Let's go, man. Let's go a couple days early. You know, we'll sleep naked on the mountain. We'll find these bucks. You know, he's ready okay, to go. That's, dude, I'm oh, not hunting with dude, that guy. It's a little weird. It's a little <laughs> weird. I know, dude. He sends me some really weird texts. Oh, you know? I mean, hey, but, some of these serious <laughs> Mueller, guy, Mueller hunters are weird. 
I'm not. So he but got they me are. all fired up, dude. I, I met him down there, oh. and dude, I was kind of in the in the in, in. I mean, I was excited to be there. Don't get yeah, me wrong. You know, sure. you're you're in Colorado right. with 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 a tag, and it's gosh, what did it open last year? Uh, what like November ninth, tenth, tenth or something? Guy, I mean, yeah. you're like, gee, it's usually 12. closed by now, and it's just open. So we got down there, and uh, we had hunted the unit before, and uh, you know, Travis went one way, I went the other. Started scouting the night before the season, and then that morning, opening day in Colorado, third season this year was so flipping cold, you know, below zero, yeah. fourteen below at camp. You know, I got up, yeah. I got up at five o'clock, and everything was frozen. I couldn't get the propane stove to work. I couldn't. I mean, I could hardly make coffee. I don't go hunting unless I have coffee. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Travis comes wandering in the tent about. It's not about, good for you. It's not good for it's you. It's not, dude. But it's neither like are monsters. So monsters so I, I know. <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> so, anyways, Travis comes rolling in the tent about six. Like, gosh dang, dude, it's so cold. He's got his mule and I've got his horse. And we're just camped at a trailhead. We, yeah. we can go into the wilderness if we want. Or we can just stay out and hunt the fringes. And sure. You know what, dude? These bucks are going to be moving today. Um, there had been a little bit of a storm. I said, I'm I'm hunting from the pickup. It's anybody's game. From the it's anybody's and, game. There you go. And I'm like, dude, yep. we, 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 we saw nice bucks walking across the road in the headlights. I said, there's bucks right here. Nobody shot at. I'm going to, I'm going to take the easy route and I'm going to go just hunt right here for at least the morning, kind of scout this area out. And he did the same thing. He went to a little bit different area and dude, I went out definitely confirmed totally in the rut. Every herd of does with that wasn't just a doe and a fawn had a buck with them, whether it was a, you know, a three point up to maybe a one fifty buck. And I'm like, okay, this is just a matter of just finding a buck that feels secure here. You know, they're around hunting pressure was pretty high, but not a lot of people shooting. I was kind of surprised. I was expecting to hear a lot of shooting. There's a lot of Oak brush there. I think that, you know, was limiting it a little bit so by about one o'clock i'm back to camp travis the same thing dude dude bucks are all over man he goes they're right here he goes can you believe the guys driving up down this road or just driving right past bucks i'm like i know i think i'm just gonna still focus on this just hit some of these knobs literally hunt from the road not in the truck but drive down the road park my truck you know hike up on this bluff looking there's private there you got to be careful you know but look in this little piece i'm just gonna keep this up so I, i did that that night and then the next morning travis says i'm taking my mule he's going in this little wilderness part that he knows and um i went back out and did did what i did and for the morning and still was finding bucks i found a place where i could take a horse and get around some private Mm -hmm. because that was the other thing too like it is in a lot of colorado private low and you could glass down there every field had bucks in it and dude some some nice ones not giants but like i think that helps with that's part of the escapement it's it's, whether it's thick timber or whether it's private (laughs) private yeah and and i went down there to just make sure nobody was given permission just to make sure i figured they weren't because the deer were out in the fields and knocked on a couple doors you know people don't know nobody hunts here you know Uh, i can't go there you go back up on the public but Mm -hmm. what i gathered is i thought you know there's enough bucks on that prime and even though up on the public here i'm just seeing like 150s these big bucks are, walk. are not going to leave those does alone down there. They right. may be leaving at daylight. Maybe they're mm-hmm. only down there at night. Mm-hmm. I just need to let one uh, uh, make a mistake. Mm-hmm. But, dude, to get around the private was like three, three or four miles. Right. And um, uh, last year I hurt my knee real bad. And uh, so I was, I was a little bit gimpy. And I thought I found this place where I could take a horse. It wasn't even really a horse trail. And um, uh, get back around these deer. And that was going to be my tactic for the, net, for the rest of the week. I thought I'm just going to stay up here on the public. I'm going to just check deer coming back and forth from the private and dude, the private is like way down there, like, like a mile and a half, you know, we're not, 
I'm not talking. I'm just hunting the fence on the private. It's not that kind of a deal. You know, there, you can see enough that it's like, if a buck's coming up through there, you're, you're probably going to get shot at him. So, so, um, I get back to camp that night, dude, Travis killed a 30 inch that morning, dude, got out there, got onto a herd of deer, um, bucks rutting like crazy, just sat and watched them. And it was thick enough. There's quite a few hunters right there, but he's like, dude, nobody was hunting these deer. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew these, these deer were down in there, mm-hmm. killed a 30 incher. So dude, we're, we're, we're like super pumped, you know, 30 mm-hmm. incher in camp. Can't believe it. Legit. And, uh, tra- Travis just had a new baby last year. And so, you know, he told me this before the hunt, he goes, dude, I'll stay as long as I can, but if I get a deer, I got to go home. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I get it. It's no problem. Um, uh, but man, I'll tell you what, on that Sunday night, sitting there thinking man travis has got it he, he said i can hunt one more day he said but i got to be out of here by tuesday i'm like oh right. man i gotta be here for like freaking six days by myself right. and right. you know it's cold you know november's dark you keep just, each other going and the lo- and the nights are long <laughs> the nights are brutal you know yes it's, it's, exactly so, yep. dude and plus travis has a good camp you know i'm just sleeping over there in some army tent you know he's taking mm-hmm. the taj mahal home <laughs> so he said but i'm gonna help you tomorrow he goes yeah. he goes you go up on the private like or up on the public like you have he goes i'll go glass down on the private maybe i'll have a different angle if i see something headed that way sure. you know we'll 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 regroup sure you know we checked with call we couldn't remember can, like in colorado can you text each other can you <laughs> call each other if you see a buck yeah. and you know we checked out all that travis is like well i'll let you know if i see one so so, um, uh, dude, I get out there and, um, there were some other hunters out there, some guys that were hiking and everything. Um, and it's probably by, by now it's like eight 30. I was probably about a half an hour late just cause it was kind of a new place. Wasn't quite sure how to get out there and you couldn't take the horse all the way out there. I tied him low and kind of started working my way up this draw <laughs> that I could glass a couple days before up in that draw from way down on the private. I could look up in there mm-hmm. and all I confirmed was that there was deer there. I mean, it was, you know, I wasn't seeing any big bucks or anything, but I'm like, that's a pretty little secure draw that really needs hunted at the prime times when they're moving. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the kind of place you want to get to at noon and sit there all day. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be there. And so I'm kind of feeling like I'm a little bit late getting up in there. And, um, uh, you know, I've texted Travis a couple times. I'm over here. If you see anything, let me know. I hadn't heard from him. I wasn't really looking at my phone. And um, I get up there and I start glassing and there's four does and maybe a couple fawns. And they're standing in oak brush that's, 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 that's pretty pretty short, maybe yeah. about as high as their backs. I can actually see them. Cause a lot of times they get in that oak brush that's over their heads. You can't see them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Hey, there's some does right here. There's other guys are hunting. They're back there 500 yards. I don't even think they've seen these deer. I'm just going to sit here. So I, I'm glassing and, and, and you know how it is dude during the rut, you know, those does will tell you where those bucks are. If you yeah. watch them, you know, and, and they kept staring back in the, um, in the brush, you know, like a lot. And because those big bucks are, you know, they're pretty active during the rut, you know, they, they make a lot of noise. They're like a big bull in September, I thought, you know, there's, there's something back there making a lot of noise. They keep staring in there. It's either a guy moving through there slowly, or there's, there's a buck running back there. So I just kept glassing it. I'd move maybe five yards every couple of minutes, just get a different angle. And, and, and I spot a, a good body size buck mm-hmm. and it still took me a little, when I first saw him, I just thought, oh, that's like a 140 buck, you know, it's kind of hazy. I can't really tell. And he would come out of the cover and then he would go back in. And, and, and then one time he come out, I'm like, man, he's a frick. He's way bigger than those does. You know, I kind of noticed his body. It was just the way the light was coming in. It was really hard to see his antlers. Um, you know, I had the spotter set up, but it was still hard to get on. And he's about, by the way, he's about 500 yards away. Yeah. And, um, so I'm just sitting there watching him and I thought, I got, I got to get closer. If this is a big buck, I need to be 
closer than this. I, I need to know what he is for sure. Obviously, he's not a you know two thirty giant with a bunch of stuff hanging off him. I, I would already know that, but you know you got to be careful. Like that buck you were talking about that you videoed for nineteen minutes. You can yeah. let a really nice buck walk if you're not careful, you know. And so yeah. I'm, I'm working my way up the draw, and I cut about a hundred yards off, and it was just enough to get an angle where I'm kind of looking down on him now. Mm-hmm. And dude, he was big. He was thirty. <laughs> he was thirty, solid thirty, yeah. and. A, just about that second that I thought that I get a, ter- a text from Travis to shooter, dude, shooter right there. He didn't know if I saw him. Okay. He's like, he's right in that same draw. I'm like, dude, I got hey. him. I, I know it's him. Hey, he passed the test. He didn't just sit there and was on, wasn't on his phone. He was actually working dude, hard. He was working it. No man, matter he if he had a tag it. or not, he was working it. That's a true friend <laughs> right there. He was, dude. He was. If I if I had not seen that buck, you know, he yes. would he would have let me know you he would've. was there. So that's right. So, anyways, dude, the, the and, and it's kind of funny, dude. Like, like some bucks, you know, you you get you have to get them really fast. You're like, bam, there he is, man. I better go, boom. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. dude, this wasn't that kind of buck. It sounds like the buck you were videoing. Right. The buck would come felt out. like you got some time. Yeah, I got some time. So, dude, I found this big rock and you know laid my pack up on the rock and yeah. and you know my coat. Not and gonna I'm miss this to one. Build a we're rug. not gonna not miss this. Not gonna one. miss this deer. That's and right. I, he's about four twenty is what I figure I'm gonna have to shoot him at. Yeah. Dude, he came out of the oak brush like three or four times, and I would just get the scope on him, and something would happen. He would get in the does, and I wouldn't dare shoot, or I would lose track which deer he was. Like, yeah. I, like it, it's still dim enough, and 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 by the way, he's. He's just a, he's 30, but he's a little light. Just a, you sure. know, he's still about five inches at the base, but he doesn't get heavy as he doesn't goes have up. five inch triple I guards, doesn't no, have hanging no. hook cheaters. I mean, right. Exactly. So <laughs> you could lose track of him a little bit in yeah. the scope. Like, is that him? And yeah. then he would turn. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's him. And yeah. I'd get the, get, get the hash mark on him and, oh, freaky, go in the trees. Yeah. Well, dude, this goes on for, I don't know forever five minutes it feels like forever you know I, yeah. I feel my phone i hear my phone over there buzzing i know travis is just going nuts you know but i can't look at the phone anymore he was wanting and, to um, dude, he, kill that deer yeah, that's what, and that's exactly what he was doing dude he started <laughs> yeah. thinking i i didn't yeah. see the deer he's yeah. like what is wrong dude yeah. can you not see him yep. and uh so anyways the buck finally comes out and uh and and, and makes a hard right looking at the doe and, and pow and i couldn't see after a shot for a second and all the all the does scattered, and then all of a sudden I see this, like a horse bucking. You know, wow. I see this something bucking up and down in the in the brush, and so I'm looking through my scope, and 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 dude, I hit him, I and and Jeez. and and he, and he had gone down, but dude, he got back up, and Jeez. I'm like, what the flip? And and now he's facing me, and he's just kind of standing there looking down the hill because that's the way the does went, yeah. and um and I'm like, man this is not a good shot, but I better take it. You know, a deer facing you at 400 yards, yeah. you know, you, it's just, you know, what, 12 inch little thing to hit. So I waited a little bit, maybe took a minute or so, maybe not quite that long, 30 seconds. And he turned and I got another one in him and put him down. Jeez. Jason, it still took two hours to find this buck. <laughs> it was, dude, it looked, it looked like it was not very thick over there. Yeah. Dude, when I got over there, those does were in the only short oak brush that was over there. Wow. The rest of it was over your head. And, dude, I started to think I lost him. Yeah. Like, it, I oh, was yeah. getting down in the dumps, and there were so many deer tracks over there. Those deer had really been working that draw, and there was about, 
you know, two or three inches of snow, you couldn't really track. Yeah. And so, dude, it was tough. And, you know, I had the Swaros with the little tracker on them. Yeah. Dude, I, you know, I screwed that all up and I, I I don't know what I did. I got over there and I'm shooting back. I could see the rock, but I couldn't get it to work. You know, it my fault, I'm sure. Yeah. But anyways, I, I just did the old circle in the grid and I finally found him and dude, he, he dropped right there where I shot him. That buck hadn't moved 10 yards the whole time. So how many times does that happen though? You know, where people don't follow up for like like you did i mean you know it, it, i mean you you try you try you try and then pretty soon you're like ah i must have missed him you know and off you go uh, more you than know. more than i think we think yeah so. i think so wow crazy story well i guess i i i uh i want to tell you about one that got away but i don't think i can because um i'm not quite over it <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> emotionally yeah you yeah to counseling yeah, I might. <laughs> you should. They don't get away, and, and this one, you know, I mean, at least, anyway, this one, when they're this easy, and this one did. And uh, anyway. Dude, tell me. You'll make me feel better. I've had so many get away. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, well. Dude, unless it's going to screw up your chance to get him in the future. No. Heck no, I'm not even going to be able to go back. So, yeah, well, it's a Colorado story. I was going to tell you a desert story because of your, your, you went, you know, because we got the mountain story from, but yeah, so it's a Colorado story. I went in and um, I I worked my guts out and, and just like what you're, you're talking about, you know, there's a lot that goes into it and, and you're always, uh, you know, and you don't know it's anybody's game. Every year's different. Uh, it's the pre-scouting doesn't help, although it may teach you, you know, roads and things like that. There's a lot of movement. These late seasons, there's just a lot of movement, and so you need to cover the numbers. You guys, you guys covered the numbers. You covered the ground, but you also, Robbie, what I take from your story is there's a little technology used. You were hunting in and around private with confidence because of Onyx, and you and you yeah, and oh, you absolutely. and you advertise Onyx, and so we can say it. And I and I use it, and so you you hunt in and around private with confidence, and you also worked harder than the average guy that goes to Colorado. The average guy that goes to Colorado doesn't leave the truck, uh, for the most part, or side by side or whatever. And you were doing three to four miles horseback, not horseback, whatever. You guys were willing to do what it takes. Right. And just a little bit more the easy off the road. Having said that, deer walk, like you said, they deer walk, they get a little bit vulnerable, they're starting to look for a new doe or whatever, and then and then they cross the wrong road at the wrong time or whatever. So but you guys were willing to work and you hit it and there's a lot of easy draw units that if guys guys always tell me, Yeah, the I mean the general consensus this unit's terrible, doesn't have big deer. But I got one to two to three miles off the road, and I got into a whole different type of deer. And mm-hmm. no people and a, a better experience. And so, anyway, that that's kind of what I gathered, you know, from, from a lot of from your story. And so, anyway, same thing. I'm hunting this area, cranking, and I actually um, put up some truck cameras. Can you believe it? Would you put up mm-hmm. truck cameras for a third season? In third season? Third. No, my, my okay. fingers are too cold. Okay. <laughs> well, they still they still needed water in this area, and so okay. and so I put up a few truck cameras in, in water sources, in heavy migrant areas, and then I would just check them, and as well as um, glassing, and glassing was by far. I mean, that's what you do. That's that's what you do on the on those seasons. You cover the ground, you cover the numbers, you glass, you glass, you glass some more, and then you go to new country and you do it all day long, because they're up and down, up and down. It's cooler weather. All of these things. And but but these cameras just happen to 
catch cover the, a few more numbers it, mm -hmm. it, you know as, as deer were moving into this area i could see when they first came in and then they would hang around rudder and then pretty soon they wouldn't be on camera anymore they moved on and so it was just allowing us a few more bucks you see right well there ended up being a, a giant that, that that came in and mm -hmm. rudder around but he would only come out at night and and he would water so it. you're catching him on the trail camera yes at night, mm -hmm. at night because and, and then they Deer are social, and when they're rut, it's easy to come around. If I'm a buck and I'm looking to rut, I want to check a bunch of does. I go to a, a high traffic area, and I can check all the does. And so he would do it. He didn't necessarily. I don't even have one of him drinking, but the does were or whatever. And then there was right. new does moving in, and this was a, a way he could see if there was a new doe that moved in that was hot, or a doe coming in, or whatever. He was checking does, but then, but he was smart enough that he wasn't being seen in the daylight. So how are you going to kill a deer that's in thick, thick trees except for at night? And it was night after night after night. And so I just started. You saw him more than once. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm not. I didn't see him. I didn't physically but see him. But on yet. the trail camera, yeah. he showed up more than one right. night. He wasn't just passing through. Right. And I'll, I'm working the area, but I'm also, but and you got to hunt where big deer are. Just, I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. You don't, it's never the way I hunted Colorado. <laughs> you know, it just happened mm -hmm. to work on this particular unit. And so, anyway, then uh, glass, glass, glass. Why can I see everything? I can see the whole world. This was a good glassing knob. I'm in the right area. How? What is he doing? You know? And, and it was just persistence, just grind, 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 not leave. There was, you know, people everywhere, high traffic, this and that. Like, wow. yeah, it was just, how are you going to kill him? Like, where's he even going? You can't track him. I mean, it's hot and dry and dusty and all of those things you're talking about on these tough, tough years. And so anyway, um, one day, one day I was, I was, I, I went and checked another area. I was coming in. And he was standing there off the side of the road at 150 yards, running oh uh, broad day, broad daylight. It just so happened that maybe he felt less pressure or whatever. There wasn't people around. And I'm like, I can hear cybersides. I can hear all this. Stuff. Anyway, I get out. I don't know. I'm 20 yards off the road or whatever. I get down and I'm, and I'm shooting. Through. I don't realize it, but it's like wispy little yellow grass you know and and yeah. i can see through the scope just fine but my barrel's lower than the scope and i didn't have a you know tall enough tripod i'm cra i'm crapping yeah for all yeah. intents and purposes like i gotta get this deer killed he's outsmarted me for how many days um this is my only chance here come people i can hear like i can see my the whole the whole thing going to crap you know uh -huh. and and i i squeeze the trigger nothing uh, I mean, this is a chip shot. I'm talking 225 yard like chip shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're on, you're, but you're still oh, I'm on, on a the bipod. tripod. You just, I'm on a bipod. Yeah. You know how does how does this happen? Shoot again, nothing. Goes up, goes up over the hill. I I get all my crap together and go up over. Okay, the hill. you got to back up. Did you the gun go off both times? Yeah, the gun's going off. Oh, I, thought, I thought I heard you say click. Okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, so, so you, you missed know, him twice. Whatever. Off the yeah, go up over the hill. Now he's at what three ninety five or whatever. You know, you know the whole cluster range. Find all this, yeah, all the yeah, gear that's yeah. slowing you down. You you can just watch him walking away. You feel like and this and that. You know, three hundred ninety five yards or whatever. Again, did it again. Missed him again. And I'm like, and, and, and Robbie, like a, like, uh, and not, not to say anything, it just doesn't happen that I don't experience that ver with, with a rifle 
it, it, it range like that, it, it's, um, mm-hmm. I can usually hold it together. I, I'm, I, this was a dead deer. I was, I was gutting him before the second shot went off in my mind. Uh-huh. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And, and, um, anyway, he walks away and, and I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm going to hunt these thick trees. And, and, uh, he got away that night and then I, I hunted and hunted and hunted and hunted. And I figured out kind of where he was going and, it all made sense why I couldn't find him, and then I just never saw him again. And wow. and now, so fast forward, I can't shoot this gun anymore, right? So And it's one of my best guns. And I'm like, in my mind, anyway, I go to throw a different scope on it this year. And uh-huh. and um, my my uh, rookie, rookie mistake, but there's different uh, lengths. There's different uh, lengths of... Um, base base mount screws uh-huh. and one yep. had bottomed out too early i thought it was tight it had bottomed out too early ah. and then mm-hmm. it had sheared okay mm-hmm. when i go to pull it off it's like nothing so mm-hmm. one of my base mount screws is not even not even working right and so uh, and i was having problems with it was being erratic i was working it and it was being erratic so i thought it was the scope i was trading the scope out and now i'm realizing no it's the way it's mounted and the ch- this this you know mm-hmm. that i didn't realize happened and who knows how i don't know all the ins and outs but a a it was not jason's fault <laughs> okay that's all mm-hmm. i care about mm-hmm. no, and i'm mm-hmm. just teasing you i'm laughing right, it's, yeah, it's but, all but my it's fault it's not like you i probably had buck feet. i probably did i probably did but there was grass i i mean i reenacted i went and looked i mean there was grass that i didn't account for and then um, maybe, maybe my equipment wasn't set up right. And I've smashed so many deer with this particular gun, but I had traded scopes and then, mm. and, uh, anyway, um, he got away and he, you know, it's significant deer. And, and so, you know, 200, I don't know, 10 or 15 or whatever, you know, oh, <laughs> I mean, really? I hate to even, giant, giant. yeah, just one of those kind of deer, super mass and, and, um, uh, you know, just one of those, one of those things. And, you know, it's hard to. Hard to, those ones are hard to, hard to talk about, I guess, you know, because we were supposed to be perfect out in the field, Robbie. We've got lots of years under our belt, but uh, we're not, we're not, I wasn't, I, I probably lost it. Uh, I had it so focused on this particular deer and, and, uh, you know, just, I don't know, didn't make it happen. And that, that's the heartbreaker of big deer. And I think that's, what's the difference between big deer hunting and just deer hunting. Is yeah. if, if you're just deer hunting, oh man, the four point got away. Oh crap, look, my scope. Oh, I should have sighted my gun. And what was I thinking? You're going to get another chance tomorrow or in a couple of days. You're going to get another yeah. chance. But right. you just know when that happens that this is, I'm not going to get a chance for a long time. We talked about it today 20 days, 40 days. I mean, this slump I just broke, 100 days, 120 days, whatever it was. I can't even count them all, dude. How many days I hunt? I, I can't spent, count them all. I spent 30 days on one deer. And it was a significant monster, and uh, you know, and I never, I never, I never got a chance at him. And that's the heartbreak of it all. When do you quit and go to number two? Mm-hmm. Right, you know? right, uh, man, yeah. And 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 I'm surprised at how many years I've hunted, and the rookie mistakes I still make, especially with archery, dude. The first three big bucks I pointed my bow at, I killed all three of them. You know, 184, a 196, uh, the broken heart buck, which didn't score well, but he was bigger than both those bucks. 19 inch back, six inch bases, you know, just a giant. First three of them, three arrows, three dead deer. 
Um, I didn't recover the broken heart buck right away. I did lose the meat on him, but I did recover the buck. Um, and dude, then the next four deer I've pointed my, my bow at, I've missed, uh, let's say I missed two and uh, wounded one and nicked the other just, and dude, I shoot a lot. I mean, I, I, I am, I, I shoot a lot of arrows, a couple thousand a year. Um, this morning when I texted you, see if you want to come on the podcast, dude, I was at the archery range. Uh, I, I mean, I shoot, but dude, I just don't hold it together at the right time. Bobby, there's, you know? there's a difference between shooting at paper and shooting at animals after you've yep. worked for two months scouting, you've hunted for 10 or 15 days, and then you have the one chance at 40 yards. You know, there's too much emotion. Well, there's too much emotion. You're like, I got to get this shot off or he's going to leave. And he's not. He's feeding. Mm -hmm. He's doing whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. situation you're in. Once in a while, Mm -hmm. I killed one that was on the walk. It was not, it was now or never. Mostly, most of the time, you you know, he's not, it's not as dire as as you make it in your mind. It's not. I can't believe Mm -hmm. it took 30 days, 20 days, 10 days to get to this point. And he's now 37 yards. And, mm-hmm. and you can't control it. And and I got sick of it. I got sick of having buck fever and and putting all this work into it. And I couldn't finish the deal when I was really young. I couldn't finish mm-hmm. it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and finally I was like, just, I had to t- tell myself, you know, and there wasn't podcasts to listen to or anything else. You're just beating yourself up at home, right? And, and reading a few mag- magazine articles. And you're just like, you know what? You got to pull it together, Jason. You have to pull it together. And you have to make it happen. And if that means not looking at the antler, if that means whatever, you got, mm-hmm. you got to be so mad at yourself if you if you whatever. Like pull it together and then and then lose it. And it and I do. I lose my mind when it's mm-hmm. over. I start shaking. Mm-hmm. I start dry heaving. It's just mm-hmm. all the I just become. And it's every time, Robbie. It's every time. I can't even. Awesome. You know. Yeah. And it's just because it all came together, and and it takes so it took so much effort you know, to get it to, to that point. And, 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 and I went through a funk, Robbie, I, I tell you another one that got away and, and, uh, the deer would have been the deer nets book non-typical because another guy has him. Somebody got and him. won't, won't enter him, which is fine. It's all fine. Mm-hmm. But I know mm-hmm. he nets because I had him scored, mm-hmm. uh, and officially, and he grossed low two forties, hard horn. <laughs> when I, when I, when he ducked my arrow and I put one through his, uh, you know, his back straps and, the, and yep. the void with an arrow in the velvet, he'd have been over 250. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a freaking idiot. I, 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 it was my fault. I would have had the deer. I had multiple chances. I stalked the crap out of him. I was successful at stalking him to a degree. But once he had, once he had my number, once he knew it was like a lion that's constantly in the area. You know how deer are skittish? They just get st- skittish. Mm-hmm. When a yeah. lion is constantly in the area, he was just, it was like I was constantly in the area and he was on to that. And so he was nervous. I was in mm-hmm. 20, 30 mile an hour wind, totally in my favor. He didn't have a clue I was there. All of a sudden he took off. He just took off mm-hmm. randomly. And then pretty soon he goes back to feeding. He was a mm-hmm. nervous wreck because I was in on him too many times. And... <laughs> And I may have shot at him and not gotten him. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. now he's onto it. And he lived, it healed up. And, uh, uh, you know, a couple of weeks or, or a month later, uh, a guy smashed him with a rifle. And so, you know, that's a heartbreak. Did, did he know you had hit him? Oh, yeah. Everybody knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was common. He was uh, he's a good friend of mine. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, 
anyway, I'd tell you more, but I want to throw up right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's yeah. just, uh, and, and, and sometimes you find yourself getting into a weird funk. I was looking, I was so confident I was going to kill him that I was looking before maybe the arrow actually left the bow. I was looking, I, you know, and, and it changed. And then also he got, got onto me and was and on camera would duck the arrow and, uh, you know, it just, it, 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 he should have been dead, should have been dead, 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 you know. And then, and so those are, when those things happen, then you're like, all right, I've got to fix myself. How am I going to get mm-hmm. myself out of this funk? Because I'm doing something weird, even though I've shot a ton of paper, you know. Yeah. I've, I've, I'm, and a ton of animals. Yeah, or That's whatever. That's what gets me down, dude. I've shot a ton of them. Yeah. I've shot a lot of bucks with my bow. So walk in the mean, park. Let's do this. Yeah, po- point the bow at him, kill him, right, yeah. right in the pocket. Shoot yeah. him right there. Yep. You know, and then, uh, uh, I don't know. I can't explain it. Just, just got to quit falling apart. It's buck fever at a different level. I'm not shaking when the buck comes up. I'm not, I'm not that, but I'm not finishing the deal. You said it a few minutes ago. Yeah. I'm not finishing it right. I'm not take, I, I, I think the deer is dead before I finish the job. So is, confident. Is what has happened. So confident. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, how how am I how am I in this spot where I still have an unpunched tag? And then where am I going to go now? You know, like they don't just make them every day. You don't just go to. Sometimes you don't go to number two. You don't know where number two is. And it took me thirty days to get to this point. And mm-hmm. so now I've just educated him or or whatever. What it whatever. Right. And so you know your hunt. You can kind of see the writing on the wall. I'm going to eat this tag, and I really I really should be punching this tag. And, mm-hmm. you know, so anyway, mm-hmm. I, I should end with positive one, but I, I've told you a couple in the middle. Hey, that's all right, dude. So. That's all right. We're human. And I think last time we did a podcast like this, I just told you my heartbreaker stories too. And I think that's good <laughs> for people to know. It's not all easy out there. It's, it, it I use the, the term heartbreak all the time. It literally breaks your heart. Uh, I think that's what attracts us to it is because when it does come together, like you said, you're shaking, you're so emotional. Um, you know, you dry heave. You know, I do somersaults. I mean, you do? It's, it is amazing. I, I can't do somersaults. Together. I need to. I need to do some more yoga. <laughs> well, Jason, man, I appreciate it, buddy. We did three hours. I know in your life, three hours is very valuable. Oh, you especially too. This well, time of year, too. with yeah. Yeah. well, I know, but this was my idea, and and uh, but thank you very much, and and man, I I'm just so glad we did it. And I wasn't kidding in the opener when I told you I had so many people to ask me to do this again that you know i've listened to tons of podcasts my favorite one was with you and jason carter when are you going to do another one yeah. dude people emailing me people hitting me on rock slide people instagramming me and i'm like you know one of these days mm-hmm. it'll align it just did i thought Hopefully, it was going to go a little Logan's still away uh, Lo- oh and he's- logan's awake right logan <laughs> He's he's cranking. Yeah, of course. Poor guy, dude. He's <laughs> he, gotta hey, hey, he likes it. He's right, Logan. You like it. I do like it. <laughs> no, he's a good kid. But you know, and he and he lives for this stuff. And and I like having him on because he gives a different perspective of the young kid of the young generation. But I just you know, there's so many more stories, Robbie. Like uh, it would mm. be nice. We thought we would just tell stories. Instead, we kind of got into too much theory that's been talked to at nauseum. And, you know, you're tired of it. I'm tired of it. Like, we can't fix it. We're trying to just go out there and hunt and kill big deer. And so, you know, maybe, maybe we just come back and, and just talk stories. We can do it again, buddy. All right. All right, man. Thank you very much. Logan, thank you for sticking with us for three hours, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a great time. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Sure appreciate you, Bye. Robbie. All right, you bet. Bye.